get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Gotta look at the details and the details are he would be 30 when the contract starts. It's probably... You know, an eight-year deal. It could be. It could be eight million plus. Then you got the three big guys with the eight million plus. Even though the cap's going up, that's a lot of that's a lot of money for for those three guys. And then where are the Blues in the next couple of years? I mean, is this team competing in the first two or three years of that Buchnevich eight-year contract? I think it's a question that we probably didn't think we'd be facing or, or attempting to answer at this point. Everybody would be saying, oh, resign them, resign them. But I don't think that anybody expected this drop-off in the last year and a half. And so I think it becomes a realistic question. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Jeremy Rutherford on with us a couple of days ago talking about the real potential of the Blues not re-signing Pavel Buchnevich. And Alex, earlier today, he posted a piece over on The Athletic, which is titled, What I'm Hearing About the Blues, Pavel Buchnevich, and Potential trade interest. There is a lot in this story. You should go read it in its entirety, but it can be best summed up as the following, Alex. The Blues are between a rock and a hard place here with Pavel Buchnevich. He is obviously a good player. The question is, is he a great player? And will he be paid accordingly? And is that something that, given where the Blues are at right now, they should be doing? And it's an obvious question that they're going to have to answer soon. He's going into his final year of his contract next season. If the Blues decide this offseason that they do not want to re-sign and extend Pavel Buchnevich long-term, they should either trade him at the deadline or trade him in the offseason. And you guys know how much I love Pavel Buchnevich. I think he's a really good player. I would love to have him around, and if money was no object, I think it would be a clear-cut, no doubt about it, you gotta extend this guy. But money is an object. It is something that this team has to be concerned about, given how many already big contracts that they have on the books. Alex, if I put myself in... Doug Armstrong's shoes and in this story and Elliot Friedman is reporting something similar the suggestion is hey multiple first round picks could be what you're able to accumulate in a return for a trade or something that is the equivalent of multiple first round picks for Pavel Buchnevich part of that is because he's such a good player and he fits anywhere he could be a top six forward that plays power play and penalty kill and well at five on five and fits with anybody because he's good defensively goal scorer good distributor he does it all there is also not very many high-level forwards on the trade market this year. It's basically just Pavel Buchnevich if you're looking for a bonafide top six forward. So, if I put you in Doug Armstrong's shoes, Alex, how are you approaching this situation with Buch? I'm listening. I'm listening to any phone call that is asking about Pavel Buchnevich because 
my team's in a position where I have to consider it because they're not a team. Although I know that I was one that, and I still believe that like you should invest in this roster, but I know how Doug Armstrong works and you have to be projecting three years from now and three years from now, where is Pavel Buchnevich at with this team? Is he an $8 million player that's here for the next five seasons? And you're looking at it saying, man, we're still hoping for him to get to that next level. Or is he elsewhere that brings you in a value return? I, the report from JR, and not report, he's just kind of talking about it there, but Elliot Friedman had it also on his 32 thoughts. I think it's more than just a first-round draft pick or a couple of first-round draft picks. I think you're looking at, it's a hockey trade, and I don't know if teams can pull off a hockey trade at the deadline or if this is going to have to be an offseason move, but I'm listening, but my value on him is so high that I'm not sure teams are going to match it at the deadline. They might have to reconsider it in the offseason because if I'm moving Pavel Buchnevich, you're sending me back a player that projects to be in my top six by next season. It's the only way I can move Pavel Buchnevich because, yeah, I might be saying to the team and to the fan base, we don't think that we can win the playoffs this year, so we're going to move on from Pavel Buchnevich. But you're also saying you don't believe you can do it next year if you move on from Pavel Buchnevich to just bring in a couple of first-round picks, which is why if I'm making this move, look at what Calgary just did with Elias Lindholm. Now, that was a pending UFA, but they got a first-round draft pick, a player who was drafted in the first round that is last season a 40-goal scorer, and a couple of prospects that are mid-level prospects. Look at what hurdle or not hurdle Timo Meyer got the New Jersey or the, um, the San Jose, San Jose Sharks. Sharks last year, top level defenseman who's in their minor league system right now, a first round draft pick and a couple of other mid-level pro- prospects. That's where we're starting at with Pavel Buchnevich. So yeah, I'm absolutely going to listen because teams are going to be desperate for forwards, but man, you are going to have to meet a King's ransom. If you want Buchnevich from my roster. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am is if you, if they know already that they have no real intention of signing Pavel Buchnevich to a contract extension, uh, they can't wait till the off season because his value is not going to be higher than as it is now. They can get a bidding war going on Pavel Buchnevich because he's going to be the best winger on the market, potentially depending on what happens with Jake Gensel. And if that's the case, not only am I listening, just like the, oh, if I get the Godfather. No, I'm act- I'm actively listening, and I'm trying to kind of create a bidding war to actually sell him. So I, I think that's where the St. Louis Blues are at. I don't think this is, well, if we get the Godfather offer. I, I think they're at the point where they are, yeah, he's going to be dealt at the NHL trade deadline. And I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I don't think it signals anything. I, I think it signals that, hey, this is a retool, and the team's playing above expectations. Although, granted, I think Army said like he thought they could be a playoff team. And I think he's looking more towards two years down the road. And I think he is looking for a first-round pick, maybe multiple first-round picks, looking for a top-end prospect and some mid-level guys. Like I think this is actually going to happen. I was skeptical of it. But now that we're starting to see some smoke, you know what they say, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, I think this is going to be done by the NHL trade deadline. Yeah, Elliot Friedman's piece earlier today over on Sportsnet wrote the following. Doug Armstrong never talks about this stuff, but the price on Pavel Buchnevich is said to be very high. The versatile forward has another year under contract. Two first or something like it, question mark. That is what he wrote over on 32 Thoughts earlier today. Alex, it's not lost on me that Elliot Friedman wrote about this earlier today. Jeremy Rutherford wrote about it earlier today. Over on The Athletic, a guy that has recently been brought over, uh, Chris Johnston is their NHL insider. He released his new updated trade board, and he has Pavel Buchnevich now into the top seven of that board when previously he wasn't really a part of the mix where they were like, ah, we're not really sure this guy's going to be traded. 
That's three legitimate insiders when it comes to a local piece with Jeremy Rutherford, a national piece with Elliot Friedman, and then a separate national piece with Chris Johnson, all basically coming to the same conclusion earlier today. Hey, there's real buzz here. There's real stuff that is surrounding Pavel Buchnevich and the possibility of him being dealt at the deadline. I kind of agree, and I'm, I'm in the middle of the two of you. I think this is the type of move that you at the very minimum have to explore. Let's find out how the rest of the league values Pavel Buchnevich. I'm not as far on the it's got to be for a player as you, Alex, because I think what you could do, think about who's going to be acquiring Pavel Buchnevich at the deadline. It's contenders, right? You're not going to do this if you're just some run of the mill, middle of the pack type of a team. You're acquiring him because you're trying to compete now. This is a Colorado, Vegas, Edmonton, one of the top teams in the NHL. That's the type of team that should be calling up Boston on a player like Pavel Buchnevich, even if they're not going to resign him because he is a guy that takes you from potentially good to great or great to elite. So when you're thinking about those teams, what they're not going to do is send you in return somebody that's already a significant piece of what they're trying to accomplish. Because now I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't want to do that as we get closer to the to the postseason. If I'm going to make a move like that, if I'm one of those teams, I'm doing it in the offseason. So if you are specifically targeting a player, I believe that is something that you wait to do until we get to early June, maybe early July. If you are willing to take picks and prospects for him, though, that is something you should do now because the longer that you wait, the less value you have in Pavel Buchnevich. He's more valuable to somebody. It's the old Fernando Tatis Jr. conversation or um, when they decided to trade Juan Soto, that conversation. Multiple postseasons is better than one postseason run with Juan Soto as a part of your team. Same thing is true for Pavel Buchnevich. If you can get two postseasons out of him, that's what you want if you're a contender. Yeah, but it, I mean, I got to go with my timeline here. And look, who knows? Like the, the, the hard part of this is the unknown. Like he could get two first round draft picks, Doug Armstrong for Booch, and you could flip those at the draft and you could bring in a top six forward and still have the exactly. same effect. But I, I don't know if that actually is available to me. And do teams want to trade a top six forward for the 25th and the 29th overall pick in the first not, round? You do what you did this year where you end up with multiple big time prospects. The in your re system. But the reason that I would sit there and say, if, if I'm Doug, I'm not going to do it at the dead deadline. And you're absolutely right. Teams want it's more valuable to get him for two playoff runs. But you're going to have to get to a puke point if you want to make this work. Absolutely. Look at look at the L.A. Kings, the L.A. Kings went into the offseason after making the playoffs last year and saying like, okay, we got bounced in the first round in seven games against the Oilers. We got to take that next step. What did they do? They got desperate and they traded three players, impactful players, to bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois because they thought that was the missing piece. Sometimes desperate teams make bad decisions. And that's where Doug Armstrong can kind of lie in the weeds and look, keep Pavel Buchnevich, maybe make the playoffs. And if he goes off in the playoffs and you sit there and say, all right, now we can at least kind of negotiate with Pavel Buchnevich. Does he not want to be here? Does it cost us a lot of money? Then desperate teams say, well, we missed the playoffs by that much or we got bounced in one round. We need to be desperate and make a move. And that's where you have to you have to read the market if you're Doug Armstrong. Because if you can get Gabe Velarde for a Pavel Buchnevich, but that's that means how you, waiting. That means waiting because yeah. you're not getting that guy right now. No, you're you not. You could get that by guy potentially, but it's a maybe in the offseason. But the picks so, are a maybe too of flipping those and getting something of value. Or just taking a pick. That, that's, the, that's the value of having that first round draft pick is 
that that first round draft pick could become the next top five prospect in the blue but system. But you're waiting three to five years for it. You are. And then you're maybe, rebuild. But then that guy becomes a prospect. And now that prospect could have value on the trade market as well. So like all of this is about asset management. Yeah. That's what Doug Armstrong's doing right now. He has a valuable asset in Pavel Buchnevich. And he's trying to decide what is the best way to cash this in. Is the best way to cash it in to just pay him. Keep him on the roster. He's a really good player. Keep him around for the next eight years. That's one opportunity. Is the best thing to do? Hey, hold. Let's hold our hand here. Let's see what comes in the offseason. There's probably going to be opportunities for other teams to trade for him there. Teams that maybe want to extend him. Maybe he becomes more valuable to them in the offseason because they can then move the money around to make it work there. Or is it best to strike now where there's no other forwards that were, are available for teams? They've got to get desperate. There are teams that right now wants to cash in on their opportunity to win a cup this year. And Booch is the kind of piece that can make that happen. These are the things that he is trying to juggle right now yep. to decide what is my best move. It is smart to at least be willing to listen on offers right now to find out what's out there. And if you decide, you know what, we're going to wait. That's totally fine by me. But you got to be willing to listen right now. It sure sounds like that is what Doug Armstrong is doing. Want to hear your guys' thoughts on this throughout the day as well. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash 101 ESPN STL. We've got the graveyard chat off and running over there. You guys can get involved all throughout the day today. Coming up next, we're talking to Joey Vitale. What does he think about the value of Pavel Buchnevich in this lineup and how does Zachary Bolduc's future play into all of these conversations? Talk to Joey about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. Whoa. This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. that we had in the open today. There's a lot of smoke that maybe Pavel Buchnevich could be moved at this year's trade deadline. If not at the deadline, maybe in the offseason. Jeremy Rutherford had a story on that earlier today over on The Athletic. Elliot Friedman wrote about it, that the asking price could be as much as multiple first-round picks in his 32 thoughts uh, right up earlier today over on Sportsnet as well. We'll get into some of that with Joey Vitale, Blues analyst for 101 ESPN and Bally Sports Midwest. He joins us now as he does each and every Thursday here on the show. Joe, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you doing today? Joey, Joey, Joey. Things are great. Think just leaving the morning skate there and had a chance to catch up with some of the players, get the scoops for tonight's game and, and uh, looking forward to another match here tonight. Joe, we'll get into the Buchnevich conversation here in just a little bit, but I do want to talk first about, you know, the exciting debut of Zachary Bolduke. These are always fun to be able to see a young player making his debut in the lineup for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, what's the vibe like around that with, with Bolduke entering the lineup and being in the top six right away for this team? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's exactly the way uh, it should be for a player like him to come up and, and actually have success. you got to give him a top six role. I said it the other day there on the fast lane, and it's great to see that he'll be paired up there with Braden Shen and Jake Neighbors. That could be a really solid line, but if anything, you're putting him in a position to have success. Will he have success? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, the first game's certainly a lot of nerves, a lot of jitters. You know, he's worked his whole life to get to this moment, and, and really I think Paul Maurice from the Florida Panthers has always said the best with their first game. 
just go out there and enjoy it. It's more about your parents, more about your coaches and teammates throughout all the years. Um, so is it a really good litmus test to really look and, and break down how he does tonight? No, not really. Just get through that first game. Uh, maybe have a little bit of early success, maybe not. But, but certainly to get him in a rhythm with uh, a top six role is great. Talked to him this morning. He's all smiles. He seems very calm, very excited. John Kelly and I were just asking him some questions. Uh, he was at the Costco pumping up some gas on Tuesday when he got the call. Uh, and right away he got on a nice little group chat uh, video with his mom, dad, his girlfriend, his brother. And, of course, he broke the news to all of them. And, again, certainly a player who's looking to uh, – Get in there, bring some enthusiasm, some excitement, and maybe some depth scoring for this team. So, Joe, you've experienced the American Hockey League, and it's not the easiest transition going from the AHL to the NHL, but for a guy like Bolduc, who was the top player in junior hockey, was playing on the top line for the AHL, what's this transition like? You know, in some ways, Alex, it's tougher. Uh, The game is definitely faster. Uh, Things move quicker. Uh, You don't have that split second to maybe make a play. Uh, in some ways, so I would say that, that that's been probably the biggest transition you hear about young players is how fast the game moves. Uh, on the flip side, I think the positive thing for him is he's going to start to see uh, from the AHL to the NHL, these players are so much smarter. Uh, they're, they, they use their bodies better. They, they move the puck quicker. Uh, there's very rarely you see a bad pass in the National Hockey League. In the American League, it's a lot of running around. Uh, there's a lot of chaotic state, if you will. Uh, players coming in, players coming out. Some teams have multiple organizations, so it's, you don't know who's going to be on your line. Uh, so it's a, lot, it's a lot of chaoticness, I would say, with the American League. This is a little bit more stable. Uh, there is players that can make plays. They're smart. They're intelligent. Uh, they anticipate very well. So in that way, it, it could be a little bit easier for them. Uh, but certainly the speed is going to be a, a major factor here where he's going to have to adjust uh, very quickly. And they tell all young players, and I certainly believe that Drew Manisher is going to have this conversation with him sometime today is simply keep it very simple, uh, play fast, play direct, uh, and let, let your wingers really help you out. Let your, your sentiment and Braden Chen, your captain, help you out. Let Jake Neighbors go to work. These are their strengths. And go out there and play a very direct, fast game. Be physical. You know, Enjoy it, but certainly uh, try to be a factor in the game. Joe, for fans at home that are watching over the next 5, 10, however many games that we get to see Zachary Bolduke, how should they be evaluating him? What should they be looking for? Well, they're looking for a quick shot. He, he's really good in the high slot. He's got a really, really good release. Um, but he's not the most physical player. Uh, he's a pretty good size. Yeah, I would say he's about average height, average weight for the National Hockey League. Uh, he does have a tendency to play a little bit of a perimeter game. But one thing he has certainly developed this, this past year, according to Ryan Miller in the American League, is he has been getting to the inside a little bit more. You know, And you look at a player like him, the quicker he can figure that out, the more success he's going to have as soon as he can. Uh, a great comparison would be a player like Jake Neighbors. You know, Jake Neighbors to me has been the most improved player. Uh, Steve Ott has worked with Jake Neighbors a ton about owning the middle of the ice, owning that blue paint. This is my crease. Uh, don't get bumped around. You don't need to fight, but it's the attitude. It's the attitude that you're not going to get moved around. And certainly, Jake has certainly found a lot of offensive success now. And I think for for Bull Duke, it's no different. He's a perimeter player. He's pretty high end. He's got a great shot from the outside. But can he start to make those small plays on the wall? Can he get to the inside? Can he get his butt in front of the net? get a tip, get a rebound, create a little of a chaotic state of mind for the opposing team, including the tonight the New York Islanders. I think that that's something the fans, uh, hopefully you will see a trend up, as you mentioned there, uh, BK, hopefully the next five to ten games. All right, Joe, uh, so the Pavel Buchnevich rumors, and that's what they are right now. They're just rumors, although Jeremy Rutherford, Chris Johnston, um, Elliot Friedman all reporting that you know teams have been calling about him. Uh, my question is, when you look at Buchnevich and where he's at now in kind of – 
projecting into the next couple of years, does he fit into the timeline that the Blues are searching for? You know, I, I don't know. This is a tough one. I, I think that this is a situation where I don't know if there's been a comp, a comparison player in the last probably half a decade to a decade. I can really, at least at the top of my mind, compare to what's going on with, with Pavel. He's in an interesting state because he's certainly a massively impactful player in your organization. Um, he deserves a contract that probably looks at eight years times eight and a half. I, w- I would guess he's a point, a point per game player. You're paying Thomas and Kairou eight. You know, will Doug Armstrong offer him that eight-year deal and, and pay him more than, than the two columns that you're building your future around and, and, and your future captain of Robert Thomas and, of course, your elite goal scorer, Jordan Kairou? I, I don't know. Uh, he certainly deserves that, though. And, and I think that he has every right to exercise that uh, if he wants to become an unrestricted free agent the year after next. He's in an interesting spot because he's such an impactful player and you don't want to lose him. But you may not have a choice. That, that's, what, that's what's hard because you may not be able to afford to keep him. I think Pavel, from all signs, it shows that he would like to stay. Uh, I think that maybe at times you look at, you know, will it take a little bit more? Maybe. But he will certainly get an extra year of term if he decides to stay compared to other teams. Uh, unless he does get traded, of course, and signs a deal right away like we saw last year with Timo Meyer. Um, he's an attractive piece right now, and for fans out there, to make it very simple, you can hold on to him. Fans are like, whoa, he's got another year. Why not just hold on to him? And you could do that. You can hold on to him this year, make a playoff push. Uh, maybe you deal him in the summer, possibly, possibly not. Hang on to him next year. You can still trade him at the deadline next year. So what's the advantage, disadvantage? Uh, the advantage of, of moving him now, if, if he doesn't want to stay and Doug Armstrong doesn't have him in the future, the advantage of moving him right now is he's obviously uh, – much more attractive right now because I think he's making 5.9 next year and he's a point per game player. He's an impactful 200 foot player. So a team that takes him now, of course, you're going to have him for a full season at under $6 million. So probably $2 million or two and a half million dollars cheaper than what you really, what he probably deserves. And then you still have a whole another year to see how he fits in your organization. And that organization, if they like him, sign him. If not, just trade him then too. So uh, he's certainly a, a very attractive piece. Uh, for many reasons, uh, it really just comes down to, I think, that uh, does Doug have, have it in him or does Doug, uh, can there in Buchnevich's party come to terms with you know, what he deserves to make under the, under the term, uh, given the fact that where, where I think the two pillars are at right now in Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou. So it's a tough one because you hate to see a player like him leave. Uh, but again, Doug Armstrong's hands may just be tied up, tied up about this one. Joey, final question that I have on the Buchnevich thing is if you end up with one of the teams in the Western Conference that offers you the best potential trade package for him, like let's say it's Colorado, for example, not only in the West, but in the division. Is that something you do if you're Doug Armstrong? Do you, do you limit it to sending him to the West or how do you approach something like that? That That's really hard. I mean, and I, I've actually heard Colorado was a team that's definitely heavily interested in Buchnevich. And you look at why. I mean, Nachushkin, of course, he had to step away from the game a little bit. Uh, he's under the player's assistance program. Uh, they don't know. I'm not sure if he's returned yet or if he's going to be returned soon. Uh, but then their, their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, he's skating. They think he's going to make a return to the playoffs. But let's be real about this, guys. I mean, Gabriel Landeskog hasn't played hockey in two years. It's not like hopping on a bike and you're going to be good to go again. He's not going to be the same captain. He's not going to be the same player. Colorado's an interesting team because they're certainly in this massive window where they, they can win big over the next three to four years, uh, but they're going to need a little bit of help. Again, you don't know the status of Nachushkin, how that's going to kind of pan out, 
and you don't know the, the, the status of your captain. You know, I've heard rumblings that Buchnevich could be a, a first and maybe a late first, or first and a second, and a prospect or something like that. I think if Colorado uh, were to offer something massive like that, I, I think it would be – I think I can see Doug definitely taking a, a gamble on, on doing that, or even like a team like Edmonton, who I know is certainly interested in the player of his caliber as well. Uh, one thing one thing's for certain, uh, the price tag is really high for him, as it should be. And I think Doug has certainly made it very high. Uh, we're talking about maybe a, a first and a second, or maybe multiple firsts uh, to get the job done. And, and I think teams right now that are in that window like Colorado who are desperate for a player like him, I think they're okay taking that step. So if they're the only team that's kind of down that road and, and close to the asking price, I can see Doug making that move, no doubt. Joe, final one from me. Is that what you're looking for if you're Doug Armstrong is, is picks? Or do you feel like that he's shooting more for a guy that comes in and plays at the NHL for you right away? Well, that's the problem, Alex. What you're looking for, you're looking for a Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, that's, 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 that's why you know, it's, it's a catch-22. It really is tough. Every team wants Buchnevich. Well, guess what? We want him, too. I mean, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a 200-foot player, a veteran player, who can put up uh, points up to a you know, point-per-game player, like I mentioned. Um, you know, it's just with his, with his contract the way it is and the way it's situated right now, it, it may just be tough to do. You know, I think that you know, the, the draft picks are certainly sexy. Yeah, you like to have another first this year, another couple firsts over the next few years. Um, that doesn't really guarantee you that those players are even going to pan out. Now, sometimes it works out great, like you're seeing a Robert Thomas, but other times, you know, we saw with Zachary, um, uh, Zachary Dean at times, you know, he, he went to Las Vegas Golden Knights. He still hasn't cracked into the NHL just yet. Vegas, of course, traded him to the Blues. He's still down there in the minors. I mean, he's a first-rounder. So there you go. I mean, it's a perfect example of you don't always get a, always get a guarantee out of a pick. Uh, and the other thing, too, to keep an eye on is as much as you like to lose a player for a pick and, and give some other guys opportunities, I mean, this is a team up at the cap. Every other team seems to be up at the cap. I mean, for me, it's player in, player out. So that's mm-hmm. another thing where I think that, you know, Buchnevich is certainly going to be a player that leaves, but then maybe you're taking in a younger player that has uh, has high hopes and aspirations, and, and Doug Armstrong certainly sees a lot of, a lot of future in. Hey, Joe, we appreciate the time as always, man. Really great insight into both what we're going to see tonight with Bull Duke and also what the future holds for Buchnevich. We will be talking with you again next week. Enjoy the game tonight. Well, Zachary Bull Duke debut for the Blues against his former coach with Patrick Wall on the other bench. It's going to be pretty cool, man. Thank you, guys. You guys enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. It's Joey Vitale, Blues analyst for both 101 ESPN and Bally Sports Midwest. We appreciate him hopping on, as always, here on BK and Ferrario. We do have a little bit of news to pass along as yeah. well. There were We were expecting some kind of a roster move for the Blues going into tonight's game to make room for Scott Perunovich getting back into the lineup. That has officially been made. According to Matthew DeFranks of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Callie Rosen getting sent back down to Springfield in order to make space on the roster for Scott Perunovich. Asset management, man. You got to keep Tyler Tucker. Sure do. Uh, How about this one for you? you can I throw another? We'll do a Ferrario 5 coming up a bit. Can I throw another team that will uh, now enter the, the Pavel Buchnevich sweepstakes? I saw this, yeah. Freaking Vegas. So I swear, if the NHL doesn't find the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm done. They've said Mark Stone is going to be out, quote, for a while. Jack Eichel's on LTIR. He's going to be out, quote, for a while. For three straight freaking seasons, Vegas is going to say our best player's out for a while. He'll return round one of the playoffs and be healthy and ready to go while we go out and trade for two top players. I freaking hate Vegas. I mean, to be fair, I, I do think these were, like, significant injuries. 
Yeah, just like last year was significant. How'd Mark Stone look after those significant injuries in the playoffs? Yeah, rehab, oh, get the rehab proper went well. time yeah. to recover. Rehab went well. Get the hell out of here. This is bull. Hey. This is both. There needs to be a rule in state. That what do the you play- do? How do you do that? How do you enforce that, though? You can't spend more money than what the player is making on LTIR. What do you mean? Like, you've got... So you've got the guy on LTIR. You can't spend the amount of money that he is on LTIR. So like the you salary got, cap, and you got to stay under it while he's on LTIR. Yeah, that that's what the rule is. But that's what's already well, existing. Then they need to freaking change it. You can't let the team abuse it every single season. But how do you enforce it? This is what I'm saying. Like, if get rid of the LTIR space. Like Gabriel Landeskog, for example, he has a real injury. Like he is legitimately hurt. There is no getting around that, right? So should the Avs not be allowed to use that LTIR space? Yeah. Or let's go down this path then. Like if the Blues, maybe for if example, it was for one season, like Justin Falk, the Blues are using Justin Falk's LTIR cap space right now. Yeah. So how do you get around that? Like if, but, it, but the Blues aren't holding him out until the end of the playoffs. They very well might. He's skating right now. Yeah, and he might be out for a long time. It's a they long said recovery for him. Drew Bannister no. said yesterday he's not close. This is Mark Stone's games played the last four seasons. Yeah, he gets hurt a lot. Yeah, and then comes back and plays twenty-two games in the playoffs, nineteen in the playoffs, twenty in the playoffs. Again, I'm not saying what you're. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't know how you enforce what I you're don't talking either. about. Like, but you need to. You, I do think one thing you could do is say, hey, if you're using LTIR, it, there's a maximum of two million dollars that you can use. Yeah, you need to have like an for every LTIR player that's bank on LTIR or something or a but time frame. I, I don't know how you enforce that when the scenarios are so difficult to look at. Like at the beginning of the year, Gabriel Landeskog go- goes on LTIR. So are they limited to $2 million for his spot on the roster? So now they're playing with actually less money the entirety of the season than every other team? That seems it's, unfair it, to me. It's one thing. I don't, when, know how you, I don't know how you enforce it. It's this. one thing when a massive injury comes up and keeps the guy out of play and he comes back and, and is able to play. It's one thing. It's another thing when it happens for three straight years. I, f- fair. But again, I, I think there are re- like Jack Eichel had a serious back issue. That when they acquired him, they knew, hey, there, there very well likely will be some, some, um, a bit decent amount of time that is missed here. But he's a guy that if he's healthy at the right time for us, he's going to be an impactful player in the postseason. Again, I, I get the frustration. I really do. I don't think there's a way around it. I don't think if you're the NHL, there's a way for you to be able to enforce this where there aren't unintended consequences. Where, like, let knock on wood, I hope none of this happens, but if... Pavel Buchnevich were to get hurt tonight and he has a serious knee injury that needs eight weeks to recover, right? And then he needs to get back in shape where he will not be ready to go until you get to the postseason if you're the Blues. The Blues should be able to use that money. Then maybe you shouldn't be able to use the player in the postseason. If you go out and... If if he's healthy and ready to go, why can't I use that guy? Like he just... It was a freak injury. He got hurt. He shouldn't be punished for getting hurt during the regular season. And when it's something like that, that never happens, it's one thing. But when it's something like what Vegas has done or Tampa did for the few years. But what if it is actually real? Like, this is where I I don't know how you look at them and say, we have no idea what's going on. It's just hard for me to believe it's real when you know it's going to happen every single season. But you don't. Like, they've got guys that have a serious injury history. Like, this would be like me saying, ah, you know what? I think the Dodgers are misusing the IL during the regular season with Clayton Kershaw. He gets hurt every year. It's clearly them trying to juke the stats. They're just trying to get that extra roster spot. Clayton Kershaw, I don't believe you. I don't think your elbow's actually hurting you. 
I think Clayton Kershaw actually gets hurt. I think his back's an issue. I think he's actually old. <laughs> yeah, like, I just don't think there's a way to get around this. Yeah. Well, and there, I understand that it be. frustrates people, but the other thing that the Vegas Golden Knights are doing, they're sending resources. Other teams are willing to send them the players because yeah. they're giving up significant resources in return. They're just better at it than everybody and, else. And let's be honest. That's what people are mad about is Vegas is better at this than you are. Yeah, I, and like I know that some people are angry about it. It's fun for the NHL. Think about it. I, I understand, like, oh, boy, now we look at it and it's, oh, here they go again, manipulating it. Man, they go out and they acquire a star again. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the Vegas... Everybody enjoys a team that's got star power. So even if it is them kind of manipulating the system, if you think it's that way, I don't care. Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, and I don't know, Jake Gensel. That sounds like fun in the playoffs. Somebody on the uh, the text line says the one way that you could potentially go about this is that once you get to the postseason, you have to get back underneath the salary cap just the way that you would in the regular season. Fair, but again, the cap's it, gone once you get to the playoffs, so it doesn't but matter. They're saying you would actually implement a cap for the postseason roster as well. Again, I I don't know how you can do that. Like it's just they're gonna have to figure something out though because it's been going on since the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, like it, the Chicago did it for about three years when they were in their run. The Tampa did it with Kucherov for two straight years, and then now you've got Colorado did it, and now you got Vegas doing it. It's shady, but it's in the rules. I like it. And I, if if you're you willing would, to, if, if other teams are willing to I'm give up cheating. the player. And you're willing to give up the assets. I hope that the Blues take advantage of this. Whenever the Blues are good again, I hope they're able to go about No, because we right play way. the right way. Coming we play the honorable way. NFL Quick Hitters on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Having some NFL quick hitters with Alex and T-Bone on BK. So earlier today, I was over on CBS Sports. And Alex, they have a former agent that works for them and writes about a bunch of the different cap situations and contracts that could be handed out this offseason. He projected what he believes either expiring deals, the quarterbacks are expected to get this offseason, or guys that could get extensions, what they could get. I want to do a quick version of Tinder Thursday. With you guys, we'll do this rapid fire style for Dak Prescott. Wait, how does it work again? Left is yes, right is no. No, the opposite. Left is no, no, right right is yes. yes. Okay, go. Dak Prescott, he's projecting a $60 million per year extension. (sighs) Swiping right for yes or left for no? I think I'm forced into swiping right for yes. But there's just, there's, I look at that and say, you've got a guy who's going to be good for you in the regular season and terrible in the postseason. I'm going to be paying him $60 million. But I guess them's the cards in the NFL when you got a great quarterback in the regular season. So I guess I got to swipe right. Yeah, I'm swiping right. This is like Tinder in a small town. You know, there's not yeah. a lot of options. So you kind of just have to swipe right. T-Bone's had plenty of experience Life with that. Only, We're all swiping only right five on out that. of ten, you know. Next one up. Yeah, but that's like a ten out of ten and only, right? Jared yeah. Goff, our guy with the Detroit Lions. T-Bone's former favorite quarterback with the L.A. Rams. Not anymore. He's expecting something around $130 million guaranteed with $48 million per year. 
48 I, per year for uh, Jared Goff. Swiping right if you like it or left if you I'd don't. I'd swipe right for that because I, I think for how he played, and I know I kind of pushed back yesterday with it, but for how he paid and I'm playing him, paying him $48 million and you just told me Dak Prescott's going to get $60 million. Yeah, I think I'm good with Jared Goff at 48. So yeah, I'll swipe right. Yeah, I'd swipe right as well because I, I think you're right. It, it kind of fits perfectly into where I think he should be. If this was the Dak contract, no way. But I, I'm in on this yeah. one. I'd swipe right. For the text asking who's coughing in here, it's me. I apologize. I'm trying to you do my best. You have to ask? <laughs> that, one was, that one was me. <laughs> we're making it through. All right. Next one up, I'm swiping right as well. First two were obvious for me. Next one, not so much. Baker Mayfield. Free agent this offseason. They are projecting a contract worth $40 million per year okay. for Baker bleeping Mayfield. That's why I'm paying Jared Goff the $48 million. I cannot tell you how quickly as the Buccaneers, I would say, Baker, we appreciate everything you did for us. Good, sir. Get we're going to go ahead and trade for Jared Goff. Yeah. Or excuse me. We're going to go ahead and trade for uh, Justin Fields. Or we're going to go in this year's draft and we're going to take J.J. McCarthy. Like, I'm not the biggest J.J. McCarthy fan. But when I'm getting a discount of, you know, $30 million per year compared to Baker Mayfield, yeah, I would rather have the guy that I'm going to take in this year's draft. So whether it's J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or um, the guy from Washington, Michael Penix Jr., I'm going to take one of those quarterbacks. I am absolutely not paying Baker Mayfield $40 million per year. No, thank you. Swipe and left. Super swipe left on this one. There's no freaking way. I, I just... If I got a Hall of Fame wide receiver in Mike Evans, I'll put any quarterback there with him and they'll be fine. Yeah, I'd swipe left as well. He's not worth $40 million. Go find your next stopgap guy. $41 million at a $40 million, $41 million fully guaranteed deal per year for Kirk Cousins. You swiping right or left, Alex? I think I got to swipe right. I mean, if you're Minnesota, again, if Baker Mayfield's asking for that type of money, I got Kirk Cousins, and although he's also a guy that falls into the category of not sure he could do it in the playoffs, at least I know he's awesome, and I don't know if there's anybody else better out there. Yeah, I'd swipe right. He's played really well, and they've still got a decent roster, and probably means you get to swipe right on Justin Jefferson and give him his go. contract extension. Swipe right or left, I'm with you guys on that one as well. I actually think that one's super easy. If I'm yeah. the Vikings, like three years, 41 per year, yeah, it's fully guaranteed, and that sucks. I'm doing it. Couldn't do it fast enough. If you're telling me Baker's getting a similar contract, I would so much rather have Kirk Cousins. In fact, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's exactly why I'm not paying Baker Mayfield because I'm at such a disadvantage relative to what these other teams are paying their quarterback. All right, next one up, another team that could be at a big disadvantage, Tua Tungavailoa. $51 million per year on a five-year contract is what they're projecting. Hell Swiping no. right or left. I'll save $8 million to go pay Baker Mayfield to come here and play for me. I, no way I'm giving two of that money. I'm not either. I'm swiping left. He, he does, he's too incon- He's been consistent he's for what, one year. Inconsistent? Yeah. yeah I almost said it. I kind of stopped myself. Um, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I don't know if he's shown enough to be the franchise guy, so I'm swiping left. Yeah, left. This is crazy. Why is it all average quarterbacks are getting $50 million? Dude, we have got to get back to the place where there is a mid-tier quarterback market. Tua, you get 30. If you don't like it, fine. Go to the go to the marketplace. Yeah. But you, if you want to stay here, you get 30. Baker, you, you get 15. If you want to play with Jalen Waddell, and Tyreek Hill with Mike McDaniel as your head coach and live in South Beach... You get $30 million per year to do that. There's no state income taxes. You get to hang oh, out, nice. have a great time on a good team. This is your squad. Yeah. You like it here. There is a value in happiness. 
If you want $30 million per year, we're happy to sign you to that. Otherwise, go ahead, go to the market, go play for Washington and go become irrelevant. Go have your career turn into dust. You get the money, that's great, but look at what happens to your career whenever you're in a bad situation. We've seen this with so many quarterbacks around the league. I, I would not do it. I would not do it if I'm the Miami Dolphins. Last one here. This is one I would do, even though it hurts. Jordan Love, $51 million per year. Ooh. For half of a season? I got to do it. No. I got to do it. No way. I, 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 think jo- I, I think Jordan Love's the top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And what if he's not? Then that's the... You, from half of a season, you think he's a top 10 quarterback? I, I saw more from Jordan Love this year than I did from the vast majority of the league. That, that that guy's got it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Uh, he did yeah. it in the postseason against the some of the best teams that they had to offer. Yeah, he made a terrible mistake at the end of the game. He's still young. I, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I can't. Would you rather have for the next five years, Jordan Love or Dak Prescott? I mean, yep. for, for age purposes, I'd rather have Jordan Love, but yep. he's also $9 million cheaper than Dak Prescott. Option C, I'd rather have none of them. Would you rather have Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts? I'd still say Jalen Hurts. I'd go Jalen Hurts. I'm still big on Hurts. Jordan Love or Jared Goff? I'd go Goff because I know he can do it when he's got the weapons around him. Goff, going Love. Jordan Love or Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Love. Jordan Love or... Someone loves Jordan. (laughs) Or Brock Purdy? Oh, I I think they're equal. Do I have Kyle Shanahan as my head coach? (laughs) Because I'll no. go Brock Purdy. Uh, if Jordan Love was in Brock Purdy's situation, I think Jordan Love puts up better better numbers. Maybe. I, I guess I would lean Love, but yeah. like I don't think it's Jordan Love or Matt Stafford. Close. Oh, Stafford. Yeah, I'd go Stafford. Jordan Love or Kyler Murray? Jordan Love. Because I'm going to Stafford, love. I would take. I'd yeah. go Love. I think there's one quarterback in the NFC better than Jordan Love right now. One. I think it's Matt Stafford. I think you've ate too much. Yeah, I think somebody has been taking too many cough drops over there. I'd give him $50 million per year. All right, next thing up as we go around around the NFL with some NFL quick hitters. Did you guys see the quote yesterday from Justin Fields? I no, see he's I'm doing sure, a big like media punch. I'm sure it's <laughs> golden. So he was on with the uh, the St. Brown brothers, Equinemius and Amonra. Nice. And... Great name, by the way. It's such great names. The Sun God, and then I can't remember what Equinemius If, if, if I had, was having a son, I would have named it Equiemus. Equiem, Equiemus, Equiemus. I shouldn't, because you can't Well, I can't pronounce it, it but it's Just a good name. EQ, that'll work. EQ. Uh, oh Justin God, Field said he unfollowed the Bears and the NFL on Instagram. Because he's just sick of seeing all of the stuff of, should they keep Justin? Should they draft Caleb? It, I don't blame him. I'd do the same thing. I totally don't blame him. It was one of the most relatable things I've ever heard from an NFL player. I feel bad for him. If I was in his spot, I would want to do the same thing. He said he's going on vacation. He unfollowed him because when he's on vacation, he doesn't want to get on Instagram and wake up every morning and see, should I be traded? Or how about you just don't get on Instagram? I mean, that's the other way to go about it. We all do it, right? We all try not to, but you wake up, you get in bed and you're like, okay, time to scroll. Yeah. So I I don't blame him at all. And frankly, I, I, I mean... I know he's an athlete and he's getting paid a ton of money, but I do feel bad. Like, imagine waking up every single day and, like, reading texts about how you're a piece of garbage and they want to get rid of you, although we see it on the text line 24-7. But I, for him, especially in the young career that is the NFL on what has been an, a terrible team his entire time, and then waking up to be like, yeah, you should trade him for Caleb Williams. Yeah, I would block all of that too. Yeah, I, I don't blame him at all, and, and it's totally relatable. I, I found it funny because like he made that that quote came out, 
And I remember reading in the Post-Dispatch, I think it was like two days ago, that, hey, Arnado joined Instagram. I was like, oh, Nolan, oh, no, you just yeah, made timing. a huge mistake. Yeah, not doing that right before the season is the worst possible thing yeah. you can do. Um, the off-season is when I, you join and Instagram. And if, I, if I'm a player, like, I, I'm not saying don't have Instagram. I'm saying have an Instagram and don't make it a public yeah, thing sure. for everybody. But, but he's, getting, he's getting consultation from his assistant coach, Yadier Molina, on how to use Instagram. Good call. All right, final thing here. On Justin Fields, there are some Vegas updates. And by the way, I want to be clear on what these mean for you guys. Anytime that you see on Twitter, Instagram, elsewhere, these are the Vegas odds of where a player is going to land. Please remember, the limits on these bets are so incredibly low that the markets are... are, It's not like an NFL game where they're, they're pretty predictive. This is essentially just purely recreational. So let's have some fun with them. Justin Fields, the most likely landing spot according to Las Vegas is, what would you guys guess? Atlanta. Say Atlanta is going to be number Atlanta, one. Minus 130. You have to bet $130 to win $100. They are the, the clear-cut favorites. After that, second most likely destination for Justin Fields Pittsburgh. is? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was my second Pittsburgh, one. plus 350. I should Third be a most likely landing spot for Justin Fields is? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Carolina. No. What? Chicago. Uh, they're fourth. Oh, dang it. I knew they'd be high. I'll give you one more guess. What, who am I forgetting? Is it an AFC, AFC or Raiders? AFC team? Nope. Wait, did you say NFC? Uh, AFC. Raiders are at 12. To, uh, uh, yeah, 12 to 1. Oh, my gosh. Oh Along my gosh, with oh the Commanders. So it's not the Colts. It's not the Jaguars. Uh, AFC East. Titans? Patriots? No, that's Patriots. Patriots are the third most likely team. Why wouldn't the Titans consider trading for so that? So the top spots. The Falcons so. are the clear-cut favorite. Steelers at three uh, plus 350. Patriots at seven to one staying with the bears is at seven and a half to one. And then Broncos commanders, Raiders, Buccaneers as a long shot. Seahawks as a long shot. Vikings as an extraordinarily long shot is a, a really interesting one. I don't think they would trade him within the division, but if Kirk were to go elsewhere, I could see that being the answer for the Vikings at quarterback for yeah. a short-term stopgap, if nothing else. So uh, that is your latest update on the Justin Fields market. Coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Driven by Offenburg Kia in the St. Clair Auto Mall in Shiloh off I-64. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Guys, if you could get something back for Pavel Buchnevich at the deadline, what would be the number one thing you would be looking for? Top is it six, a pick? Is it a player? Top is it- six winger. Top six winger who can play with Robert Thomas. That's that that would be my ultimate goal. So you're looking for an offseason move? Yeah, I, I think I'm looking for a, a hockey deal in the offseason. I'm looking for a Gabe Velarde. I, I think that's the most ideal scenario, but I, I I think it just depends on what Army wants to do. You know, like it, my kind of tinfoil when I saw this all today was that Army's wanting to get more draft picks and then trade up into the draft this year 
Why? Because it's a draft that's very heavy with defensemen. And see if he can land that number one defenseman or that the guy that could go with Colton Braco. See if he can land one of those top guys in the draft and get more assets and then trade up in this year's draft. That's just my tinfoil as to what I think he might be trying to go through. But there's a million different scenarios. And if he is saying, okay, how do we improve our team? He may come down to what Alex is saying. Like the most ideal thing in, in principle in terms of what's the shortest one in this retool that impacts you quicker and potentially long term is getting a top six forward that pairs with Robert Thomas. I think if you're in this retool, and we're going to talk about this later on in the show, but if you're in this retool and you're convincing everybody that it is a retool, getting picks is going to be a hard sell unless you can back it up by, hey, there's moves that come with this. Yeah, I guess I come out on the other side of it. I, I do understand where you're coming from. I would say if you get two first-round picks, man, and you in back-to-back seasons have three first-round picks... I'm just trying to throw as many different darts at the board as I can. But, are, hope. but aren't you Arizona? Aren't no, you Arizona in that scenario? Pl- I already have pieces. Like I've got I mean, players. they can say they've got pieces too, though. Like they've got Clayton Keller yeah, and but they never go for it. They have no stability whatsoever in Arizona. Whether it you want to look at the stadium in which they're playing in, the coaches that they've gone through over the years, general managers prior to Armstrong getting there, ownership situation, like They have no stability within their organization. I feel like there's stability here in St. Louis, and I trust Doug Armstrong to get it right. And so once he has, over a two-year period, six first-round selections, or if he trades them, as we all expected him to do prior to the the draft last year, and gets assets via uh, a player on the top six or prospect, whatever, I I think two first-round picks would be a really interesting way for him to go about it, and I would not be opposed to him doing that at this year's trade deadline. See what it looks like. See what he's able to get in return. Um, but that that would probably be the thing that I would be most interested in is, hey, let's let's try to rack up these picks and see where that gets us uh, before we get to the end of the road here. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, if you were a team at the back end of the first round, so somebody like Pittsburgh, for example, that needs a quarterback, would you rather take Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, or trade that pick for Justin Fields. So say those again. So JJ McCartney, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. You're taking one of those guys or you're trading it to get Justin Fields. Correct. I would trade it to get Justin Fields because my hope is maybe I could get one of those guys in the second round and have a Justin Fields and hope that he gets there for me now. But I'll also have a rookie quarterback that might have a future outlook, kind of like with the Jordan Love experience, to where Justin Fields, what's he, a free agent in two years where he gets paid? I get two years of Justin Fields, and then maybe the guy I take in the second round could be the one that steps up. Yeah, I would trade for Justin Fields because I'm not convinced that those three guys are franchise quarterbacks, so I'm not completely sold on the rookie contract that you get with them. And the other thing is, Though I still have questions about Fields, at least in spurts, I've seen he can play well as as an NFL quarterback. And if if that's the case, I can dream on, okay, what happens if we get it to work for a full 17? I think I'd go Justin Fields. I, I just, I have a better idea of what he's going to be. And with J.J. McCarthy, I actually am, I'm probably higher on McCarthy than many at this point. I think he's interesting. I've got to have a quarterback in place, though, for year one. I I don't think J.J. McCarthy should touch the field as a rookie unless it's week 18 and he's doing the I'm going to start the final week of the season to see what we've got here thing. But that's it. 
I, I don't think that guy is ready at all to start in the, in, in the NFL right now. So uh, that's where I would be today. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to play a game of Can You Beat the Blues? In the next segment, I will tell you how you can participate in that game. You're going up today against Jordan Cairo. The winner will get a signed puck by Jordan Cairo and some Blues tickets. So we'll get into that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next... There is one reason specifically why the Blues had to bring up Zachary Boltuk. We'll tell you what it is next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your goal is to start key is to keep them down there as long as you can. But I think situations up here said, ah, we got to see if maybe we could add a spark here. And putting him on that line with Babers and Shen, I think is fantastic. You know what you're going to get from Jake. You know what you're going to get from Braden. And in talking to Zach Bolduc, as I did just uh, well, probably about 15 minutes ago, you know, he, he's excited to play with those guys and knows that, if, that he's got to bring the work boots if he's going to keep up with them. That was Chris Gerber, the voice of the Blues, yesterday talking with us about why Zachary Bolduc not only got the call up, but now is immediately inserted into the top six for the St. Louis Blues. Alex, he didn't say something that I think is really interesting from Matthew DeFranks, though, earlier today in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He said the following, Kevin Hayes has scored once in the past 25 games. That dates back to mid-December. Kasperi Kapanen had scored once in his last 34 games. That goes back to mid-November. And Sammy Blay has not scored in his past 41 games for the Blues. That goes all the way back to mid-October. Those are three players that have most of the season been a part of your middle six forwards. So why did the Blues have to make this move? Not just want to, have to make it right now. It's because of that. You're getting such little support from your middle six. You had to find a new answer, and they've been trying. They've brought up other guys. They've tried using fourth-line players up on the third line. They've used Alexi Torpchenko up in the lineup. They even, for a little bit, were like, you know what, Nathan Walker, maybe you're more skilled. Maybe we'll put you up there. They tried Sammy Blay again, reinserting him into the lineup. Yakub Vrana multiple different times, tried him up there. It hasn't worked with any of them. And so at a certain point, you've thrown every asset in the middle six. You know what? There's one possible answer that remains down in the minor league. Let's go ahead and see if this works. And if it doesn't, so be it. He can go back down to the AHL, but we've got to give this thing a try. Yeah, and the difference with this is it's not a third-line winger that you're looking to bring up to bring a spark to the depth of your team. Like, if you're doing that, then you're talking about Gaudette. You're talking about a Hugh McGing or a Matthew Pekka. They're bringing up Zachary Bolduc because they need an impact player. And, and JR tweeted this a little bit ago. Bannister speaking with the media uh, talked about, you know, how sometimes young players, when they get up to the NHL, they defer to the veterans and they don't shoot the puck. And this is what Bannister said. He said, I agree. Young players tend to defer to the oldest players, but because of his strong points and his ability to shoot and score, we want to see him utilize that. We've already discussed that. You're bringing up Zachary Bolduc for one reason and one reason only, to find out if you're a top six winger for us in the future. Because if you're not, if you're a depth piece, well, guess what? We could put you back in the minors, and we could let you continue to develop. Because when we get the right pieces in our top six, you get to be the complementary piece. But what they need to find out is, can Zachary Bolduc come up here, and can he create offense at five-on-five? I looked at this also. Brandon Saad... In his last ten, <clears throat> excuse me, in his last ten games, has not scored an even strength goal. Mm. It's been two power play goals and one empty net goal, which is good, but it's not even strength. 
Sometimes if you're not getting power plays or power play success, you need to get those even strength numbers going. You need to get Braden Shen going. You need to start to get other teams to look at your matchups differently. And what you did, BK, by listing all of those names, Kevin Hayes, Kasperi Kapanen, Sammy Blay, Nikita Alexandrov, Nathan Walker, Oscar Sundquist. I just eliminated like seven guys on my team that Doug Armstrong can sit there and say, yep, not top six wingers. Now we got to go find ourselves a top six winger. You've you've crossed off one of your to-do lists in terms of figuring out what you have as you project moving forward. So you have played 26 games since mid-December. Here are your goal leaders at five-on-five for the team. You ready for this, Alex? Jordan Cairo, nine. Nathan Walker, five. Alexi Torpchenko. Maybe he is a top six winger. Alexi Torpchenko and Jake Neighbors, four. Mm. Robert Thomas, Brandon Zod, Colton Pareko. Yeah! Three. Top defenseman, baby. Pavel Buchnevich, Kevin Hayes with two. Kasperi Kapanen has one. Braden Shin has one. Oscar Sundquist, Sammy Blay, zero. These are guys that are getting significant playing time, man. You just need more. You've got to get more from these dudes. And at five on five, we have talked so much about how the blues have struggled in these situations. It cannot continue. And it's a lot to say, Hey, come on up. Former first round pick Zachary Bullduke, please be our savior. And they're not asking him to be that. But can you be for them what Nathan Walker has been? Can you be for them what Alexei Torpchenko or Jake Neighbors have been? Because those are the guys right now that are in your top four, along with Jordan Cairo in terms of five-on-five goal-scoring production. By the way, I find it really funny that we've all talked about how much Jordan Cairo has struggled. He's got double what your next best player has been at five-on-five in terms of goal-scoring production since mid-December. He's got nine. Next best on your team is a guy that's played 19 of the 26 games in Nathan Walker. That's amazing. Yeah. I I think what we're learning about this team right now is you don't have any pure shooters. You don't have pure goal scorers on your roster. Yeah. Like, it, it, Robert Thomas is a guy who can score goals. That's actually a really good point. Who is the, the best pure goal scorer on this team go, is blank. Go back two years ago when Pavel Buchnevich scored 30 goals. He scored 30 goals because Tarasenko had 34. David Perron had 31. You had Jordan Kyrie. David Perron. Yeah. You don't have threats. You don't have threats that can scare teams in the offensive zone. Robert Thomas is a distributor who can score goals. Braden Shen is not a pure goal scorer. Pavel Buchnevich is not a pure goal scorer. Brandon Saad's a power forward. Your fourth line is fourth line players. Jake Neighbors is a power forward. If your roster has one pure goal scorer, guess what teams do? Shut him down, guys, and we're good to go. You shut him down, we're in good shape. The Blues need more pure goal scores. Now, yeah, they've got uh, Jimmy Snuggerud coming. They've got a Zachary Bolduke now getting an opportunity. They've got a Dalibor Dvorsky who's looking like a pure goal scorer. I would add, you know what a pure goal scorer tends to look like? They float it in and out of games. Sometimes. so we've got to be okay with, hey, if you're going to get that guy it may sometimes look like Jordan Cairo does where they're not always super engaged in the game. And when you see these, like I remember watching Toronto, right? When we watched them the first time around against Austin Matthews, dude, I didn't even realize that Austin Matthews was on the ice. The vast majority of that game. Yeah. Second game you played them though. Mm-hmm. Hot damn. He was the best player on the ice and there was no close second. So that's, that is sometimes the push and pull of what you end up getting it, from that. Absolutely. Guy. But, but you can impact the games in other ways. And that's what we fell 
uh, frustrated with in those last two games for the Blues. Jordan Kyra wasn't impacting the game elsewhere. Zachary Bolduc has an opportunity to impact the game elsewhere, especially if you're playing online with Maybe. Jake Neighbors and Braden Shen. Uh, you've, you've just got guys who can score coming up in the future, but you don't got guys right now that you need to target. And somebody texted and said, Alex, the stint's not deciding if he, he can be top six in the future. They're seeing if he's ready now. I think they're trying to do both. They're yeah. seeing if he's ready to perform now and if you've got top six potential. Just like on a date, you know, the date's going to find out if you're somebody that they like about five minutes in. The Blues are going to watch him play tonight and be like, nah, I'm not sure if he's a top six potential player. Yeah. And, and some of that is just feel, right? Like, you've got guys that are in that press box that have seen a lot of hockey. Absolutely. A lot more than either of us, a lot more than all three of us in this room combined. And they'll be able to recognize pretty quickly, all right, does he have the hockey sense? Does he have the shot? Does he have the passing ability? Does does he feel the game the way that you need to? You could tell right away, oh, Jake Neighbors is going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means in the NHL. I don't know if that means he's going to be a 10-goal scorer or a 20-goal scorer or something even more. But you could tell right away, this guy's going to get it. He's going to figure it out. You could tell with Thomas, too. First, His first game in 2018, 2019, you're like, yeah, this guy's going to be a stud. And for a lot of the guys that end up making it, you can see that right away. We're going to find out pretty quickly on Zachary Bolduc where he fits into this thing. That doesn't mean he's immediately, if he does not play well, doesn't mean he's going to be bad. But if he's going to be good, you're probably going to get a pretty good sense of that. All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We need three different texters to text in right now. If you are texter number 25, 26, and 27, those will be our texters today, you will be the contestant to go up against Jordan Cairo in a game of Can You Beat the Blues? All you got to text in is I Can Beat the Blues. 314-399-9646 is the place to do so. If you are selected, you will be going up against Jordan Cairo today, coming up here in just a little bit. But first, Alex, there's a lot of buzz that the Blues could be trading Pavel Buchnevich this year at the trade deadline. I didn't deadline. know we were doing this. If they decide to do I'll so, <laughs> they will be potentially trading for a player, not just picks, but players at the deadline. If that is the case... Who do you think they should be targeting? Well, guess what, BK? Hmm. I don't have one guy. I don't have two guys. I don't have three guys like some people. I got five guys. T-Bone, hit the open! You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario Five. A top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. No. Shut up, Come up with a BK buildup. I'll interrupt you, but not while Ferrario Five's going. Might be uh, my favorite open though. This T-Bone Three is no, my no, favorite. Open. No, the of course BK it is. Build T-Bell Three is the favorite. Yeah, the BK buildup is my favorite open. Ta da! All right, number five on this list isn't the best option, but this is one of those guys that I think if you're going to trade Pavel Buchnevich and you're going to go with uh, a move kind of like what the. Minnesota Wild did when they traded Kevin Fiala or what the Montreal Canadiens or Tampa Bay did when they traded Jonathan Druin. Philip Roberg from the Edmonton Oilers. Defenseman, he's 22 years old. He's six foot four. He was a former eighth overall draft pick, but he was by Edmonton. We know how that goes sometimes. This kid has gotten a cup of tea in the NHL, 79 games total, but it hasn't been any sustained opportunities. Edmonton hasn't just given it to him. Uh, this is kind of a offensive minded defenseman with some two way ability, but he's 22 years old and he's six foot four, and he's a left-handed defenseman. Do you trade a Pavel Buchnevich to Edmonton, who is very desperate for more forwards because they feel like they got everything else? Do you call up Edmonton and say, you've got a young defenseman that we might try and strike hot on 
So we'll trade a Pavel Buchnevich who's going to be here in one year. Yeah, to get more than that. Can't just be for him. Probably but... going to be a, a pick that comes into play. I don't know if it's a first-round pick. Maybe it's next year's first-round pick, not this year's first-round pick. But, yeah, you're getting more than just this. This is just the key piece in this trade that we're talking about All here. Right, number four. Number four. Everyone's favorite from the Vegas Golden Knights because, you know, they like to cheat and play the cap. Nicholas Haig from Vegas. He's what? been... What? Why would they trade him? In because season? he's been playing third pair minutes for Vegas. And he's an RFA, if I'm not mistaken, following next season. He's 25 years old. He will be 26 years old. They've already got a ton of their defensemen locked up. They don't have a lot of cap space. And they would be getting a 5.8. And you, I would advise the Blues to eat some of the salary on Pavel Buchnevich in this trade. Because now he's more desirable. And maybe you get another first round pick on top of this with him. But again, I know I mentioned you go get a top six winger. We'll get to those momentarily. But if you have an opportunity to get a top four defenseman, somebody who could potentially project to play with Colton Pareko in two years when you're ready to compete, I'd pounce at that opportunity to trade a guy who isn't going to be here beyond this season. I'd, I'd love it. I don't see Vegas trading him because they are in their championship contention spot. He's playing 18 minutes a night. But man. they already got four other defensemen that are playing more than him. You know what's best? to have more maybe but like just just give me six stud defensemen and that's what they have right now they've got martinez mcnab and hagel on the left like side and pitching in baseball zach Whitecloud is their third pairing defenseman on the right side like i yeah let me just keep that i'll I, figure out the rest afterwards but look but, at your forward group though like you're gonna have to trade something of substance to get a a, a forward picks. to play in your top six picks and prospects baby. i don't know they don't have a whole lot of picks if i'm not mistaken i think they've got all of their picks do that yeah I don't know how that's possible. Vegas, it feels like there's some kind of Vegas violation that's going on there. Blackmail on people, but right. I, I, I think and they're going to have to get one desperate. of their picks in this upcoming draft, especially because even when Stone and Eichel are healthy, Barbashev is their next best forward. Now, I love Barbashev, but that's that's tough to, to sell. Okay, so now let's get to the forward conversation. Number three on this list. Let's head over to Vancouver. A young Russian winger, that Vasily Podkolson. Uh, playing in the minors right now for them. He played in the NHL last season, 39 games. Prior to that, played 79 games. He's played 118 games so far, but he's 22 years old. He's got 14 goals in 40 games in the American Hockey League. This guy, at least from what I've read about him, pure goal scorer. Now, 22 years old, do you feel like he can be top six for you next season? Maybe not. Maybe you're going too young in this spot, but he's controllable. You're still an RFA in an entry-level contract, I believe, for one more season. And if you're Vancouver, you want something right now. So this is more like the the prospect side of it. Sure. But this is a prospect that I think comes to the Blues, and you put him in your top six, top nine immediately. I would wonder why he hasn't fit with them. He played 79 games last year, so this is a situation where, or two years ago, I guess it would have been. Um, Look at their top six, though. There's no room for I, him. I totally hear you, but... He got 79 games, 39 games, and then has not appeared in an NHL game this year. Yeah. It feels like a guy that's potentially been soured by the organization, and I would wonder what else is going on there. Is there something else beneath the surface that we don't know about? Sometimes you got to pounce on those guys going if you give them a that's different I look. I wouldn't be looking for that for Buchnevich. Yeah. I'd be looking to buy low on that kind of an asset, mm -hmm. but I'm talking about like a third-round pick yeah. for him potentially. Yeah, I mean, New York was kind of that way with Buchnevich. His final year there, he our second to last year there, he had 16 goals in 68 games, and you were like, what's going on here with the Blues looked at him, but you saw yeah, kind of what he's done before. Games. This yeah. guy has not appeared in an NHL game this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, again, <laughs> I, again, I argue, I look at Vancouver and say, where's he going to play? You don't put him on the fourth line. But regardless, two more guys. These guys are more interesting. The Rangers, number two on this list. I brought this name up before. Capo Caco. Yeah. Capo Caco, ladies your, and gentlemen. Your number one defenseman has always been, what's his name from Vegas? Nicholas Haig. Yeah, and your number one forward has been Capo Caco. I, I just... 
it, it's a player that's fallen out of grace with the New York Rangers. He hasn't played in the top six for them at all this season. Again, somebody that you look at and you say, where's he going to fit in? Now, Lafreniere, they they threw money at. They say, look, we're going to pay this guy. But Kako's making 2.1 mil this year, and he's an RFA, which means he's going to want to raise. Now, that one, I think, makes a lot of sense. This one is this one's not just a, a top six winger. I think this guy's a top winger. He's a left shot on the right side. He's got a one-timer. Last year, he scored 18 goals in 82 games, which isn't a lot. But, but I think zero it, on the power play. He wasn't on the power play. So but and you're not I'm saying this in a positive yeah. way. Like he there's potentially more there. If you're getting 18 goals at five on five, that's a hell of a yeah. season, dude. I, this is a pure goal score to me. And this is a guy that I could say you play with Robert Thomas in the future and you you get him here and you probably pay him around what Pavel Buchnevich is making or less. And you lock him up for a longer term deal. That one I like. Who's number one? Oh, man, this one's the sexy one. I have fallen in love with this guy. Shane Pinto from the Ottawa Senators. Now, you might be oh. saying, isn't the this gambler? the guy that got suspended for gambling? I don't care about that. Frankly, we'll bring him here. We'll put White him on beat him. We'll do some circus yeah. spots with him. But Shane Pinto, since he's come back from his suspension, has nine points in 12 games and is a plus eight. He is 23 on years Ottawa? old. On Ottawa. <laughs> he is 23 years old. He is a centerman, six foot two. I want this trade so bad because if you make this trade and trade a Pavel Buchnevich, now the tough part is you're sending him to Ottawa. Who knows if he accepts so that trade? Dude, this is where you get to the two part, right? At the deadline, you trade Buchnevich for two first round picks. Trade the first In round the picks for Pinto. You trade two first round picks for Shane Pinto. Your future would be down the middle, Robert Thomas, Shane Pinto, Dalibor Dvorsky. There you go. That is what, if I'm Doug Armstrong, the goal is to make my team that dangerous. And he's 23 years old, fits in the exact same time frame that a Snuggerud, Neighbors, Dvorsky, Stenberg does. This is the guy that the Blues should be targeting, whether it's the deadline or offseason. The top two guys are guys that I could totally buy into. Pinto, Kako, those are the guys that should be on on the horizon for the Blues, I think both are more likely to happen in the offseason than they would be at this year's trade deadline. And that would mean you'd go from point A to point B, and point B gets you. Those are the Gabe Velarde trades. He's Alex. That's T-Bone on BK. Coming up next, we're going to play a game of Can You Beat the Blues? We have our three contestants. They're going up against Jordan Kairou today. We'll do it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This week's edition of Can You Beat the Blues? Ed, Jason, and Brian all believe that they can beat the Blues, and this week the contestant that they're going up against is the one, the only, Jordan Cairo, a natural goal scorer. We'll see if he knows his categories, Alex. Ed is our first contestant today. Ed, the rules of this game are very simple. We're going to give you a category. You're going to have 15 seconds to name as many different things in that category as you possibly can. If I gave you colors, for example, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and we push you up against Jordan Cairo. We'll see how he fares. And then the differential with that, the guy that has the highest differential at the end will be the winner of Can You Beat the Blues? Ed, do you understand the rules of the game today, my friend? I do. And do you believe that you're going to be able to beat Jordan Cairo today? Oh, I'll beat Jordan Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Honestly, there. I was waiting for somebody to say that. And Ed, I'm glad you were the first one. All right, Ed, <laughs> your category today is... T-Bone, let me make sure I've got this correct. Artists as in musicians, yes, correct? correct. Name I would not ask him about painters. Name as many <laughs> different musicians as you can in 15 seconds. 
On your mark, get set, go. Creed, Blink-182, Metallica. Oh, shoot. Um, Dua Lipa, Miley Cyrus, um, Instinct, Backstreet Boys, ACDC, uh, Rage Against the Machine. I don't think we're counting right. I don't think we're counting right. I got eight. And you have a... A, an eclectic taste in music, Ed, my friend. I like it. <laughs> Ed, true or false, you pulled up your iPhone and you started scrolling through your categories on your on your library to name the artists. Uh, Android and no. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you started with Creed and ended with Backstreet Boys, golden. Yeah, we've got Rage Against the Machine, Miley Cyrus, and Backstreet Dua Boys Lipa. in one conversation. I like it. I like the I good loved balance. It, Ed. I, you got all over the place. No, Ed, do you have kids by chance? Two. And that, that makes sense. Yeah. There we that, go, that explains some of that. I'm surprised Art you didn't Ed, say Coco Melon. We'll see how many Jordan Cairo was able to name. He also got musicians. The Weeknd, Drake, Ariana Grande, um, Justin Bieber, Loud Luxury, um, John Summit, Martin Garrix, Chris Brown, um, Ariana Grande. I don't know if I said that already. Um, said Ariana Grande, so eight. eight. I got eight. The All eight. right. <laughs> I, I don't know what these young kids listen to these days. These young whippersnappers. There were at least two or three in there that I was like, huh. Yeah. T-Bone, can you tell me is. any of those artists? No chance. <laughs> I think some of them are the electronic stuff that Kyrie likes. We know that he's into some of those guys. So um, I know Ariana Grande. He seems to be really into Ariana wow. Grande. Can, can you blame him? No, I get it. It's great music. All right. Next one up is Jason. Jason, you are also going up against Jordan Kyrou today. Do you believe that you will be able to beat Jason? Or excuse me, Jordan. Well, I just hope I beat Ed, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, though, beat Jason first. That's yeah, the more beat important Jason, part. Beat Ed and beat Jordan Kyrou, and we'll see where you end up from it's there. It's a lot to do. Jason, your category today is video games. Name as many video games as you can in 15 seconds on your mark get set go super mario mario kart um mario brothers uh zelda zaxxon um pong um pac-man miss pac-man jason if you don't mind me asking how old are you (laughs) 45 i'm older (laughs) 53. I was like, seven? we got all of the video games that like my older siblings would play, so oh, I yeah. felt like we were right in that well, like 40 to 50. When kind he of threw range. Pong out there, I was like, it's got to be 45 plus. <laughs> all right, Jason, we've got you sitting in the clubhouse with seven. We'll see how go. many Jordan Kairu is able to name Zelda, Clash Royale, um, Call of Duty, um, Fortnite, RuneScape, Minecraft, Mario Bros., Super Mario Kart. Um, Elden Ring. Um, I got nine. I got nine. So that's a minus two. Jason, you thought you could beat Ed. You thought you could beat Kairu. You beat neither of them, my friend. But you beat... Oh, no, you didn't beat Ed. Well, you beat Jason, Jason. (laughs) So congrats. I feel like you tied him. All right. Next how, one up how is... How nobody go Grand Theft Auto 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5? What would, it, what would your first one the be? Grand Theft Auto 1. Yeah. I'm I sorry, just gone, gone. I would have gone Madden. I would say I would have needed like 5. No, I would not have allowed that. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have just named the five major sports as video games. Yeah. You know, but NHL, then MLB. You start going where it's, it's, it's 
sequels where it's like one, two, three, four, and five. That's where well, it's my mind goes. between that and Madden 01, Madden 02? It's, it's the same damn game. game. It's no, it's not. Every, I actually, you know what? You're right. It is basically the same game. They just have a different yeah. cover every year. They <laughs> just charge you out the butt for it. Uh, Brian, you are coming up next. You're going up against Jordan Cairo today in a game of Can You Beat the Blues? Brian, do you understand the rules and do you believe that you can beat Jordan Cairo today? Oh, yeah, I got this. There it is. Right. Brian, I love the confidence. All right. Brian is our contestant, and Brian, your category today is Marvel movies. Name as many different Marvel movies as you can in 15 seconds. On your mark, right. get set, go. Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Thor, Incredible Hulk, uh, Captain America, Avengers, Age of Ultron, uh, Endgame, uh, that was that was a pretty that darn was good, good version. I, I will say, he got Thor. I thought he was going to go, gonna go Ragnarok, Love and Force. Thunder, Captain America, Civil By the War. Way, Love and Thunder is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I don't care if it's I good or bad. Three more. Yeah, it was bad. horrible. Absolutely, Ragnarok was as good as Love and Thunder was bad. We can all agree, though, that Captain America: Civil War was the best of all of them. Yeah. No, no, Captain America, the first Winter Soldier was, or the Winter Soldier was good. Yeah, that one was. That Civil one was War was my favorite. Ragnarok is the one that I feel like I could rewatch the most, even though I'm not sure that it was the best movie. Individuals. The Avengers are still the ones that I go to first. Like, you'll watch all of those as many times as possible. Where are we at right now? What are we talking about? Uh, We're talking about Marvel movies. (laughs) But that is the category for Jordan (laughs) Kyrou, who's going up against Brian. Brian was able to get nine today. Jordan Kyrou has to be able to get at least nine, or Brian will be our winner today. Let's hear what Kyrou has. Um, Infinity War. Avengers Endgame, Captain America, uh, Black Widow, <laughs> um, Black Panther, um, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Oh, he got eight! He got eight, oh. which means, Brian, Brian! you are a winner you can beat the blues you did beat jordan Cairo. so in return for that we are giving you a signed puck by jordan Cairo, and you're getting tickets to see the blues versus the minnesota wild coming up on march 16th congratulations man Sweet. thanks so much you Absolutely, got it brian that's brian who was able to beat the blues today if you think you can beat the blues give your shot at it coming up this time next week as we have another opportunity for you to beat the Blues. Go up against Braden Shen next week. Braden Shen next week and tickets to see the Blues against the Golden Knights. Captain Blue. Yeah, Captain Blue. That was bad, I'm sorry. (laughs) Not only was it bad for you, it was actually worse for Alex who repeated the terrible joke that you put out there. I repeated it because I I wanted to make sure people heard what he said. It's one of those things where it's like, everyone caught that, right, Captain Blue? I'm not doing El Capitan, but that happens a lot, you know. By the way, thanks to Comfort Experts, uh, you're an independent American standard heating and air conditioning dealer. They didn't sponsor that joke. No, Coming not that up joke. Next, Jesus, that was This bad. is the formula to win in the NL Central, but do the Cardinals have the right pieces to do so? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I realize here, guys, something's got to give. But for me, I'm making it a priority. You ha- We have to be a really good team defensively. Because let me tell you, that part of the game is the only thing that shows up every single night. Base running and defensive play are the only things that show up every single night. So 
I'm telling my players the best defenders that aren't that are offensively capable of performing at the big league level. They're going to play, and if you want to fall into that category, you got to get better. That was Dan O'Dowd on with us earlier in the offseason talking about what the Cardinals need to fix before opening day of this upcoming season. Alex, I totally agree with him, and I think the vast majority of our audience agrees with him. The defense has to improve this year. I was listening to the fast lane yesterday. I was picking up Baby Boy out in O'Fallon, and they were talking about why they believe the defense will be better. Alex, I don't think there's anybody in St. Louis that believes the defense will be as bad as it was last year. How could you? It was a weird year for Nolan Arenado. They didn't get as much from shortstop as they're expected to this year. Second base should be at worst fine. Jordan Walker, I can't imagine anybody believes he's going to be as bad as he was last year. Maybe he's not going to be great. He'll be better. Center field, you'll be as good, if not better, this year. And Lars Newport's a good left fielder, as opposed to, you know, all of the guys that they had out there a year ago, including Alec Burleson, who, God bless him, he just wasn't a guy that you want playing out there every day in left field, and he had to do that a lot of the time last year. So I think the answer is, of course, yes, all of us, no doubt about it, would say they'll be better this year. But it's not good enough to just be better. You have to be pretty damn good defensively to win this division. And here's why I say that. Alex, I looked at it because I feel like in in my heart of hearts, the team that wins the division in recent years has always been pretty good defensively. And when I looked into the numbers, it actually played out to be exactly correct. Not always correct, but I was on this one. Mm, Last year, Milwaukee was the best team in the, in the division at defense. They were the second best team in the entire league when it came to defensive runs saved. They saved 68 runs defensively, according to Fangraphs a year ago. And you could actually continue from there. In 2022, the Cardinals were fifth in the league. In 2021, the two teams that made it to the postseason from the NL Central were St. Louis and Milwaukee. They ranked second and sixth in Major League Baseball in defensive run save. 2019, fourth and 12th. 2018, second and third. 2017, seventh. 2016, first. Dating all the way back to 2016. Every single team in the NL Central that made it to the postseason had at least 25 defensive runs saved and was at least top 12 in all of baseball in defensive runs saved for the course of the season. Alex, do you think the Cardinals can get there? Not just getting back to being respectable defensively, but actually being a net positive when it comes to what they do defensively. Because last year, they were a minus seven, and they were one of the worst teams in the in the National. I think they absolutely can get there, but it comes down to two positions for me. It comes down to center field, and it comes down to the catcher spot. I think the catcher spot, everybody was talking about it. I didn't think it was as bad as people were making it out to be, but it was bad. And I think center field is your problem, because if you don't have... I don't want to say elite center fielder, but if you don't have a guy that you trust in any scenario to be the safety net for your two corner in, uh, outfielders, then I think you're in a world world of hurt. Like if we're putting Dylan Carlson out there for a good chunk of the season, then you need Jordan Walker to be gold glove or close to it. Or you need Lars Newpar to be gold glove or close to it. The problem is I, I think you're relying on three outfielders right now to be able to carry each other. So I'm not worried about anybody in the infield especially even with Gorman at second base. He impressed me last year. If Donovan gets a lot at second base, that's fine. You know, Mason, when as long as he's going to be there is it's going to be taken care of. It really comes down to is my center field a plus because if it's not, then I think your outfield is going to struggle. Yeah. To me, it comes down to center field and then the bounce back from Arnado, which the bounce back from Arnado, I expect defensively. We'll see about at the plate, but defensively, I expect him to be back at a gold glove level. Center field is the number one spot because you do have Jordan Walker that's in right field. And for someone that is going to be playing center, in theory, what it is, Tommy Edmond, and he's behind schedule, it sounds like. But 
when he's there, he can close down and kind of shorten the gap that Jordan Walker has to cover, at least in terms of ranging to his right. And he can also do that for Lars Newbar, who has to range to his left and left field. So if center field ends up being a plus and Jordan Walker ends up being average, they're going to be fine defensively. They should probably even reach that plus 25 mark because they should be better all around defensively in the infield. Contreras will probably give them a knock, but like that one I'm not too worried about. It's more about what happens when the ball's in the air, and I think center field is going to be a plus this year when Tommy Edmond is manning it, and I think Jordan Walker is. He may end up being a negative in terms of defensive run saves, but I think he's going to be a lot closer to average at zero. I think one of the biggest issues for this team a year ago was that they didn't have a single position in which they were above league average. Like, you look at catcher, they were 26 within minus 11 defensive run saved last year. At first base, they were 13th, and from there, 19th, 16th, 16th, 28th, and 18th. Like, at every position, they were below league average in what they were able to do defensively from last year. And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention right field where they were 24th. And that's where you spent the majority of the season with uh, Jordan Walker. I think that what you need this year, you need a couple spots to be elite. Hey, third base, can we get an elite level of production defensively out of you this year, Nolan Arenado? That would be really helpful. Shortstop. All right, you might not be great offensively this year, Mason Wynn. Can you be, if not elite, close to it defensively for us? Center field. Tommy, it might be a tough start to the year with you, especially with what's going on with your wrist offensively. Can you be an elite level defender in center field for us. If you can get that out of two or three positions on your roster, that's the kind of thing you need in order to reach these kinds of heights that we're talking about. Again, I'm not talking about the Cardinals being great at every position defensively. Be passable in right field, be passable at second, be passable behind the plate. And then if you get a couple of spots where you're elite, that's how you get back into the type of conversation that we were talking about from previous seasons where you're plus 20, plus 25, a lot of that coming from two, three different spots without having any black holes anywhere in your lineup defensively. There's one other thing that I wanted to get to, Alex, because to win the division, just get good defensively. That'll help out your pitching. It helps your offense be able to stay in games later on as you go. It helps your bullpen as well. When you get to the postseason, you got to have dudes, right? We know that it's the big-time players that are expected to step up when the lights are the brightest. Well, the Braves have that. The Dodgers have that. The Phillies have that. And Major League Baseball put out their top 100 players in the league right now. Yesterday was the the full reveal of the top 10 on that list. The Braves had seven players in the top 50. Seven. They had four players among the top 20 players in Major League Baseball. The Dodgers had four players in the top 50, three of which ranked in the top five in all of baseball. The Phillies had four players in the top 50, three in the top 30. Now, here's how the rest of the National League goes, because those are the three teams that, in my opinion, have pulled away from the pack in terms of elite-level talent. The Cardinals were actually next. They had three top 50 players on this. Here's the problem. Zero in the top 30. They had zero blue-chip players, according to the Major League Baseball right now list of the top 100 players in the league. The Diamondbacks had two, the Padres had two, the Mets had two. But they didn't have anybody that were in the top 10 to 20, and so that is where you're lacking, again, that blue chip level talent. The Marlins and Giants had one player in the top 50, zero in the top 30, though. The Brewers, the Reds, the Cubs all combined for zero players in the top 50 this year. Oh, Good for the NL Central, though. This is what we're talking about when we say, hey, there's a clear divide between the guys at the top and the guys that are or the teams at the top and the teams that are kind of battling for contention. And this is why when you look around the National League, you say to yourself, there's a real opportunity here for the Cardinals. Find a way to push yourself in, and if you get a guy like Jordan Walker, you get a guy like 
um, Lars Newpar. Some of these players could end up in the top 50, top 100 by the end of the season, and that's how you end up seeing the Cardinals more similar to some of the teams that are at the top of this list. Yeah, and I, and I think when you talk about these players that you're hoping kind of step into that category, it all goes back to who we talked about yesterday. It goes back to Jordan Walker. Like we've talked about Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. You need them to be the best, but honestly, they've been the best in previous seasons, and it hasn't done much for this Cardinals team. I think you need that one player to emerge. We talk so much about what Arizona did last year. Corbin Carroll emerged and became the star for them. We talk about the Atlanta Braves. Well, the Atlanta Braves got here because Ronald Acuna emerged into this dominant player. I really believe that for the Cardinals to take the step towards what we're all hoping they get to, it all comes back to Jordan Walker. And I hate putting the pressure on a young kid like that, but when you've got the talent and the makeup that Jordan Walker does – you look at a franchise player, and he's got to get to that next level for this team to get to that next level. I mean, it's not level. hard to see by in, at the end of the season. Now, this is my my Cardinals colored glasses coming on here. It wouldn't be surprised next year to see a guy like Lars Newport in the top 100, Jordan Walker in the top 100, Nolan Gorman in the top 100, Wilson Contreras in the top 100, Paul Goldschmidt in the top 100, Nolan Arenado in the top 100, and Sonny Gray in the top 100. That's seven dudes that you could have in the top 100. And of those guys that I just mentioned... Could you see four, maybe five of them in the top 50? I don't think that's crazy to believe. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Jordan Walker, and then add one other player that I just mentioned that ends up having a breakthrough season. Maybe it's Nolan Gorman. He has 50 home runs this year, and he's like becoming the power threat that we all believe that someday he could be. Well, now you're in the same range as the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Braves, but it requires some of that what you're talking about, Alex. You got to have a breakthrough. And you have to have a return to form for Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. So much of what we're talking about this year, defensively with Nolan Arenado at third base, what we just mentioned with them getting back to the floor of winning the Central because of defense, and the ceiling of reaching the heights of what the Braves, Dodgers, and Phillies have accumulated, it all just comes back to three dudes, man. It's Jordan Walker, it's Nolan Arenado, it's Paul Goldschmidt. That's the middle of your order right now. If those guys reach their ceilings again, We're going to be talking about this team completely differently. But if it looks like it did a year ago, this team's screwed. It's the reality of it. Jordan Walker was bad defensively. Nolan Arenado wasn't the same guy defensively. Offensively, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, while good players, were not MVP caliber form, were not what they have been for the vast majority of their career. And if you get that version of themselves again, it's going to be a long year for the Cardinals. I'm picking up good vibrations. Hey, man, the first part of that was fun, right? Like, woohoo! Seven top 100 players! Woo! Yeah! Go Cardinals! No, I've been on that. I've been on that path the last three years, and I'm like, woo! And then you get to the players, you're like, Oh, uh, that's what the but difference. I, I between. think the difference there, and this is what I think you need to have happen, along with like seven guys in the top 100, because you do have to have a lot of guys being top yeah. 100 players. I think you got to have a top 30 position player and a top 50 pitcher. And Sonny Gray came in at what 49. So right now, there's the pitcher. They never had. They never had that in the playoff runs recently. They never had a top 50 pitcher in baseball. If Gray's that, and then Goldie Arenado climbed back into that top 30. Boom. Now now you feel pretty good, and then you've got those top 100 guys that add that much-needed depth to the lineup. Coming up next, the Junk Shore here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. the junk drawer. Alex, there was a list the other day that was put out from Fox 8 
of places that women would refuse to go on a first date. There are 28 different things that are a part of this list. I'm curious if we go family feud style, if you can name any of the top five places that are a part of okay, this. Okay, so are, are they specifics? Like, are they like name restaurants or are they just like So I will tell you generic. the entire top five is names of restaurants. Okay. The rest of this becomes a little bit more generic and we can get to some of those, but the top five are all names of restaurants. I'll give you seven guesses. You and T-Bone can and this, put your this minds is like together. Everywhere or this is local? Uh, they're all chains. They're all chains. Okay. McDonald's has got to be in the top five. McDonald's is not a part of the top five. I, I wonder if it's just because it's like one of those that's such a known answer. That it's actually shockingly not a part of the top 28. It's but a first date. No, but what I'm saying is like nobody would be, you know. Except for Alex. Guy. Alex used to do that. No, White Castle is where I used to do it. White Castle is where I would do it, but I did it because Valentine's Day when you didn't like a girl was like, yeah, they can't really stick around with this one. Um. Okay, let me try and think here. Is one like a steak place? I could see like a Texas Roadhouse. Yeah, something like that being uh, on no. there. No. Wow. TGA TJ TGI Fridays. You're in the right. Ruby Tuesday? Lane. No. No. I'm no. <laughs> going backwards now. Chili's. Olive Garden. Olive Garden is that number I five. I said Olive Garden because Timo would be like, "Oh, hey, I'm thinking of finding a Italian I almost restaurant." Said Olive Garden. I think that's and more than a reasonable first date. I totally disagree I'm with that. I'm with you. No, we gotta go Get somewhere. Get a tour of Italy. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right, we've got four uh, more in the three? top five. Red Lobster. Red Lobster is not in the top wow, five, okay. not in the top 28. Oh. By the way, owned by the same people as Olive Garden. Yeah, I knew that. Cheesecake Factory? Unlimited. It is number one. Is there? Cheesecake Factory <laughs> is number one on this list. Places you refuse to go. I've, I've done first dates at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> this is actually a list of Alex saying, wait, I've done No, that. I don't do Olive Garden. That's like an, that's like an Italian rule. We, we got to go somewhere. It's um, unlimited breadsticks <laughs> and salad. You can get unlimited bread anywhere you go. No, no. This is different, though. It's oh, it's the, the breadsticks. Bread oh, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, I'm going to give you a hint, though. Those are out of a box. Yeah, I get them at Goldie's all the you time. Suck. Well, <laughs> always ruining good um, Okay, no. I will say, I, I've worked at Olive Garden. Uh, the soup actually made fresh every day. Sweet. Clam chowder? All of it made fresh every day. All right. Um, I was surprised by that. What's the one that's the TGIF? Oh, yeah, Applebee's. Number two. Applebee's. Eating bing, good bing, in the bing, neighborhood. Bing, bing, well I've never done a first date at Applebee's. I think I did. Yeah, um, actually, my <laughs> wife and I just don't. We don't go to Applebee's. All right. Your number one is Cheesecake Factory. Number mm. two is Applebee's. Number five is Olive Garden. We're missing three, three and four. And four. I think three is underrated as a, as a chain restaurant. It is not in the top five. Hooters mm. is actually not on this <laughs> list. I was surprised. That would oh, be a, yeah, nope, not on this no, list. That would be a tough one to sell. Um, Outback Steakhouse. It is not on see, here. That's actually he not a bad, that's not a bad one. So he said it's underrated. Yeah, no. So I'm trying For to me, think, so trying to think of like underrated. restaurant chains. So I said TJ Fridays. Chick-fil-A. I said Ruby Tuesday. raving about a Chick-fil-A sandwich. No, it's like sit office. down. Um, oh God, why am I blanking on this right now? Um... I have give no me two idea. more guesses, and then we'll go ahead and finish out the top five. Can you give us any kind not, of hint? It's not Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, it's a classic chain. That, that's the whole list. I, I, I know, but I, I can't give Steak you anything and more. No. It's a sit-down restaurant. Like a legit sit-down restaurant. Steak and Shake is a sit-down restaurant. Kind of restaurant. in the vein of like an Applebee's. 
That, um, that lane of chain restaurants. <laughs> Golden Corral just came to my mind. Imagine taking someone to a buffet. No, but on this list is Chili's? a buffet. Is Chili's. it Chili's? Chili's is uh, number three. That was I think the it's one underrated. Just, I love Chili's, so I, I can't Chili's, complain about Chili's. If I was to say like best chain restaurant around, Dude. I would go Texas Roadhouse 1. I think Chili's would be in my top They've five. They've got though. a chicken enchilada soup that like when I'm sick, it's the go-to make it at home. egg rolls at Chili. Mm. Really okay, good. and you said the bu- there was a buffet as the fourth uh, one? And number four is Ch- uh, Chipotle. Chipotle is at number four. That's not a sit-down restaurant. No, I, didn't, I, I said number three was a sit-down oh, restaurant. Oh, okay. All of them were restaurants, but right. number four. My next five dates, I'm going to try I mean, these and see if I have success. As we go from there, I'm curious Applebee's how many of these has Factory. Alex wow. done. Okay, give them to me. That would have been more movies. of a fun game. Uh, as a first date, I did it, but that was in high school. I never did sure. it when I was like an adult. Your house. No, never did that. Wow. So, that is so we would always go back to my house to watch a movie, but it would never be like the first thing we did. Number eight, any fast food chain. <laughs> oh, well, if I wanted out of the date that I did, the fast food chains. Number nine, Buffalo Wild Wings. They're basically saying any place BK has ever worked as a server, I'm not going there yeah. on my first date. They probably thought you BK owed the relationship. Number uh, 10, yeah. Wingstop. <laughs> Number 11. Hey, honey, we're going to go grab some wings. <laughs> Can you sit down at Wingstop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you're eating wings. I think Wingstop's pretty good. Wingstop uh, is good, but not the first day. Number 11, Red Lobster. I, I missed this earlier. Number 12, a buffet. Buffet. Thir- buffet is ballsy to do that on a date. We used to, as our high school football team, all of the offensive line, I was a tight end, so it's technically a part of the offensive line. You were um, a tight end? Yeah. Uh, all of the people. <laughs> you guys were small. <laughs> I was like 200 pounds at the time. Yeah, you were. Um, all of the people on the offensive line would go to uh, Golden Corral every every Thursday, the day before the football game. Man, it is a lot a, of the NFLers not a not a buffet like that, that but they do big wild. time dinners on like Friday. That it place is it wild. was shocking that more of us didn't throw up on our Friday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the other ones here that I found interesting: the gym. What? What <laughs> was on this list? I mean, I guess it, I guess if you're gym rats, it makes a sense. Coffee dates. I feel like that's more than reasonable as yeah. a first date. Going to get some coffee. Yeah, but I guess coffee if, or drinks, I think, is the easiest because you can get in and get out without having to wait for But food. if I guess if I'm going down that path, it's a date, so you're trying to get to know the person and like going to a coffee yeah, but the you first sit down, time, talk. sit down. T- yeah, yeah, I think a co- I think a coffee shop is actually a it great just doesn't spot really scream like, hey, I actually see something with this relationship. Yeah, well, it's we, like you we're don't friends. Know. You don't know. It's a yeah, first but if you're date. going on a date, you you kind of wanted to be also, like. Also, it's reasonably inexpensive. I think yeah. a coffee shop is a totally fair I'm first date. I wouldn't do it. I don't know if I do like a chain coffee shop. I'd do more of a local one. A few others bowling no i would never i would never take somebody bowling or a waffle house waffle house waffle house just screams we're never going to be together that screams love uh it screams love when i'm hungry at night the that's final for sure. spot on this list was going to a sporting event i think going to going to a sporting event is a perfectly i did, oh, I did a sporting event as the, i don't i did a sporting a event cardinals as, game i think it's totally yeah, fine. first date with my wife i did a blues game did you mm-hmm. wow i would not do a sporting event why you get to talk well, the whole time one, you I'm working. your interests are the same one i'm technically working I'll at a car oh get the hell two, out of here you don't have to be two, working at a car two, you go into that's cardinals a three games. hour long first date the coffee shop i like because that's like maybe an hour we can get out Man, if it's bad, it is going bad. We we're only in the third inning, folks. I ain't leaving that Cardinal game. <laughs> Why? I think I'm my money's worth. Perfect. Make her leave. Go oh, no. get up I, and leave, and go somewhere else to sit. July and August, though, you ain't gonna see me there on a first date. No, T Bone, you're a miserable human like being. Coming up next, the top centers in the NHL all seem to have something in common, and it's something that right now Robert Thomas is missing. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
is putting together their list of the top 10 players at each position in the NHL. Greg Wyshynski is a part of this. And as we know, some of these are questionable in the minds of he, people here in St. Louis specifically in the top 10 goalies. At least he's not dumb. Am I Jordan right? Bennington a part of it, but these are being put together by NHL executives, players, and coaches around the league. He's pulling some of these people around the league and putting together the list accordingly. Alex, he put out the top 10 centers in the NHL earlier today. And the list reads pretty much as you'd expect. It's the best players in the league, dude. This is an absolutely loaded position right now. Connor McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, Crosby, Dreisaitl, Barkov, Hughes, Point, Eichel, and Pedersen. <coughs> those are the top 10 centers in the league. Disagree to with those. List. Most of them, even if you disagree with where they are on the list, I would consider all of them to be top 10 guys. But Alex, all of them have something in common for the most part. They've got an elite level winger with them. Is that something that's missing from this conversation with Robert Thomas. It absolutely is. This is this is where your team is short right now. And you and I were talking about this top list and saying, like, what does Robert Thomas need to do to kind of at least put himself in that conversation? I think there's two scenarios to where teams start or people start talking about Robert Thomas as a top centerman, top 10 centerman in the National Hockey League. A hundred point season or you get a Selkie trophy. But guess what? You can't get either of those unless you have capable wingers with you. Like the Selkie Trophy, maybe you can get there. But even the Selkie Trophy trophy voting goes to a player that's got 100 points and is also very good defensively. Barkov, Patrice Bergeron, like that's where those votes go to. But as Doug Armstrong told us, the goal for the Blues is to find somebody that puts Robert Thomas in that conversation. Robert Thomas is playing as a top 10 centerman right now in the National Hockey League. He's more than a point-per-game player. He's on pace for 30 goals this season. He's on pace for close to 90 points, but yet you're not talking about him as much. Why? Because they don't have a top line that's dangerous. You don't have a top line that's scary, and it goes back to not having that one-two punch. I think if Jordan Cairo was having a... 40 goal pace season like he was for the last two seasons Robert Thomas would be pushing 100 points this season and people would be talking about that duo being dangerous but because you haven't had anybody enter the atmosphere the same way that Robert Thomas has the Blues are in a tight spot where they say we still got to find somebody that can be that difference maker with Robert Thomas maybe it's Jake Neighbors maybe it's a Jimmy Snuggerud maybe a Zachary Bolduc becomes it in a couple of years but right now I would argue when you talk about McKinnon with Rantanen, McDavid with Dreisaitl, Crosby with Gensel, they don't have another guy on that top line, that team circle, and say it's going to be a tough night for us. Yeah, I, I think the Blues just don't have enough at 5-on-5 five five next to Robert Thomas right now. And you know how big of a fan I've been of both Pavel Buchnevich and Jordan Cairo. Mm-hmm. But there's always been questions. Hell, I had a question about Robert Thomas coming into the season of whether or not he was a legitimate number one center. Because there's a difference, right, between being a number one center and being a guy that is best served in that number two role. I think Robert Thomas this year has emerged as a no doubt about it, elite level centerman, even if not top 10. So maybe it's not, maybe elite is a little aggressive. A borderline elite center in the NHL and a no doubt about it, top line center in the NHL. I don't think you have top line wingers with him. I think, Jordan Cairo on a really good team is a second line winger. I think Pavel Buchnevich on a really good team, like if he were to get traded at this year's deadline, I think he, the acquiring team would be doing so 
expecting him to be in their middle six, not expecting him to be on their top line. Or if he is, it's a situation like what you have in Edmonton where you've got pairings, right? And so you'll put two pairings together on your top top six uh, forwards, and he's one of them that goes in there with one of those two. Yeah. And depending on the matchup, maybe it changes where he is. Right. Yeah, and that's that's just where it's at right now. I said earlier, like, you just don't have pure goal scorers. I think for a Robert Thomas to to get to that next level – you got to have somebody who is going to be a 40 goal scorer. And I I know we all believe that Jordan Cairo can get there, but my issue with that is we're just not seeing it on a consistent basis. And when Robert Thomas is playing this way, the the reason you're not seeing like Jake neighbors get used up there, or you're not seeing, you know, certain Brandon sod going back up there. It's because they know what type of potential Robert Thomas has. He's got, he's got highlight reel ability when he's on the ice. You've got to have guys who can also play to that highlight reel ability. And I I just think with the way that Robert Thomas plays, you're seeing a lot of turnovers and loose pucks and inconsistency in the offensive zone with both Buchnevich and Thomas. I think Buchnevich or Cairo could be that piece. But just like Klaibs talked about yesterday on, um, on, on Derek Gould's podcast, like Nolan Arenado might not be that leader. He's the complimentary piece. I think either Buchnevich or Cairo, they're not the leaders that you need on that top line. They're complimentary pieces. And you got to find that other guy who can be that player that grabs it and says, we're going to dominate you. Do you know how many goals Pavel Buchnevich has at five on five this year? Not even strength, because that includes when the goalies pulled, like there's some other things that I, go into it. I got to say it's it's less than it's less than it's five or six. It's five. Yeah. He's been power play and then empty netters or shorthanded. Five goals on the season at five on five is outlandish how much does how many does Kyrie have a five on five uh he's actually got quite a few i'll go all in. season yeah because um, he's only got like one or two or not more than that he doesn't, like four well, he's, power play goals. he's got more power play goals. uh goals at five on five this, this season. season yeah same he actually has the same number listen to the company he's keeping this is kind of amazing honestly mitch marner jt miller trent frederick brock besser clayton keller uh, Miko Rantanen. They all have the same number of five-on-five goals this season as Jordan Cairo. Now listen to the company that Pavel Buchnevich is keeping. The guys that have the same amount of five-on-five goals as him. Evan Rodriguez, Jordan Eberle, um, Tom Wilson. Like These are not yeah. top-line forwards that play the way that Pavel Buchnevich does. The huh. only players in the NHL, the only forwards in the NHL, that have played as many minutes as Pavel Buchnevich has and have fewer goals at five on five are William Eklund, Johnny Gaudreau, God, man, Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, who else is there? Nick Schmaltz. And that's it. Damn. Those are the only players yep. in the league that have fewer goals at five on five that have played as often at five on five I, as Booch. It's it's been a weird I, year. I for think him, that man. kind of answers your question though, in terms of like what the Blues are looking at and what they do with Buchnevich. Like I I think they're at the point where they're looking at this saying we don't have a top line, and if we believe that Jordan Cairo can get to that top line level, we got to go out there and find somebody else. It maybe Buchnevich isn't it. And they got to find another guy who could play with Thomas and Cairo to reach that top line's potential. Because I know a lot of the times I sound like I'm in the minority and I'm always picking on Cairo. I'm not. It's just the salary that you're making. When you're making it, somebody texted in and said there's going to be like 10 guys who score 40 goals this season. Yeah, but those 10 guys are all going to be players that make eight, nine, ten million dollars. And you've got an eight million dollar player who might get to 25. That's yeah. the problem. The, the problem is. You can't, this is what we were talking about earlier today with the quarterback situation, right? When those elite level players that you're talking about that are scoring 40 goals 
they're making like $10 million. If you're paying three guys that combine to score 65 goals, yeah. 25 to $30 million, you're not getting the return on investment that you need, and it limits what you're able to do. It hinders your ability to go out there and find the support that you need to build together the team around them that can be a consistent winner. So this is where it gets really hard. If you're in charge of the, the St. Louis Blues right now, you're stuck. There's certain money that's just it's it's allocated to your defense and there's nothing you can do about it right now. Like it's a sunk cost with Nick Letty and Colton Pareko and Justin Falk and Tory Krug. We'll see if they're able to move any of those contracts. But as of today, it looks like the answer is no. It's a sunk cost what you have right now with Braden Shin. It's a sunk cost what you have right now with <clears throat> Brandon Sod. Mm-hmm. What you can do, though, try to make the most out of the asset that you have in Pavel Buchnevich. And that very well may mean deciding to trade him, flip him for another asset, and then maybe in the offseason flipping that asset for something that can help you right now. And maybe it's not going to be as good as Pavel Buchnevich, but it doesn't have to be. It might be a situation where the guy that comes in is 60% of Booch, but at 20% of the cost. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to get that and you go to the market and you sign somebody else, you sign who's the guy that you were talking about earlier today, Alex? Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque. Boom. Now between those two guys, are you able to get a little bit more of the production than what you would have had by just signing Pavel Buchnevich? And I've got flexibility in future years to go out and maybe trade for or sign a top four defenseman whenever that becomes available a year, two, three years down the road when I would otherwise be in the middle of an eight year, eight million dollar per year contract for Buchnevich. It's a tough situation, but I think they've arrived at a place where the thing that makes the most sense is either at the deadline or in the offseason trading Pavel Buchnevich, who was one of my favorite players to watch. And I know it sounds odd for me to say, like, he he might just be a complimentary piece, but I'll go back to what we talked about a little bit ago, to where you go back to that first year he was in St. Louis, where all of us were like, wow, you what a steal. 30 goals that season in 73 games. But he was a complimentary piece on that team. Vladimir Tarasenko had 34 goals. Ryan O'Reilly had 58 points. David Perron had 27 goals. That was your top line. Your second line was Thomas, Buchnevich, and Kairou, who all had 70 points. They weren't going up against the other team's best lines or best defensive lines. They were getting the mismatch. And if you're not a player that can capitalize on those mismatches, where it also goes to the Jordan Kairou front of this, then you you might be in the position where you have to cycle out players you thought were top line and go after players that you hope become top line. The problem is you don't just go out there and trade for guys that are, that are top line players. You got to go out there and hope you got another top line player. That's the job. Yeah, that's the job. It's a hard one to do. And it's why so much of this is difficult to accomplish, but That's what the job is Right. if you're a guy in Doug Armstrong's chair. Coming up in 15 minutes, we talked yesterday about how the college football playoff is in place for 2025, and that is true. However, it's going to change again in 2026. We'll tell you the latest details with that coming up at 1.30. Believe it or not, coming up next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing 
is now the you comfort service text line for Believe It or Not. You guys Boots give us a scenario. We will tell you if we are <laughs> no, believing it or not here on BK and Ferrario. Let's start out this one, boys. This comes from me. What? Believe it or not. What? Yeah. From you? It's true. This noggin right here. Wow. Believe Yikes. it or not, if you gave up one food, you'd be able to lose 10 pounds. Reason why I bring this up is because according to John Ditton, quote, passing on popcorn speaks to just how serious Nolan Gorman is about his craft and improving on it so that the Cardinals can count on him more in 2024. He goes on to say that Nolan Gorman, by giving up his specific style of popcorn that he likes, which was a lot of butter on it, and going with one that is actually made with coconut butter or coconut oil, excuse me, uh, he's lost 10 pounds this offseason. Get the hell out of here. Because he took, what is he eating? Buttered popcorn, breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I, I Look, I'm a, I'm a popcorn he connoisseur. Love popcorn. I have popcorn every single night. Like, no joke. Really? Every single, I love popcorn. I didn't know that. It is you. like one of my favorite foods. There is no freaking way, unless he is putting an entire stick of butter on his popcorn, there's no way you lose 10 pounds. Try this I really like popcorn. There are some brands that are made with better oil. I've never eaten terrible, but I'm just trying to eat a little cleaner, more There's organic. No now, question that has nothing to do with me about this topic that you ask. Uh, if you give up Oreo and peanut butter, is that considered one food? I, I sure. feel like those are two different foods, but sure. Okay. Well, then totally believe Wait, it. do you put like peanut butter on your Oreos? No, I'm asking for oh. a friend. Oh. Oh. I'm asking for a friend. I, I, that's, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's. I can't look what would be the anymore. snack that you would have to give up to lose the most amount of weight? I don't eat a lot of snacks. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. mine too. Like, I, th- my snacks are popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I get. I would I, have. I guess mine would be potato chips, but oh, like sure. I eat sun chips, so like I can't believe that they're yeah. as bad as like, like Lay's potato chips, right? Yeah, I, I don't even eat like potato chips anymore. I used to do like my lunch would be a sandwich with potato chips. Now I just do a lunch and then I'll have like grapes or an apple or something. You know what my snack is now too with like sandwiches? I buy these these flavored almonds from Aldi's sure. they're like um they're like sea salt and wasabi flavored they're freaking awesome and it's just almonds like you're just Randy goes them. with the chocolate covered almonds he says well, those are uh those are good, too. good for those are wonderful uh I'm not, mine would be uh pita chips with hummus as he's a vegetarian imagine. I don't know if you guys knew about that about him he's a, he's a vegetarian what'd you have for for a food yesterday uh, uh, two days ago I had Chick-fil-a oh, okay good <laughs> he's great <laughs> you had the kale salad right we, we Nah, the spicy chicken sandwich. We should have a... Look at that, at least I had tomato. I'm veggie curious, all right? Yeah, that's, we that's can tell. With. Let me know when you go to the fish fry. I Alex, what have, you got for us? We should have Nolan Gorman come on to talk popcorn. I could have a really good convo about popcorn with him to figure out which one he likes. You know there. what? I'll reach out to the Cardinals. I'll yeah. let him know. I'd what? like some popcorn talk. No, we're not talking yeah. about your back. Uh-uh. We're not talking about hitting 40 home runs. I just popcorn. want to talk to you about popcorn. Because I'd like to know some of the flavors that he liked. I tried a Parmesan garlic flavored popcorn oh, last week. Oh, you're legitimate. Oh, dude, I'm no joke. Popcorn Every single night I have popcorn. We need to get some popcorn breakdowns from Alex. We need to show. get some popcorn sponsorships up in here, you know? I, yes, Start absolutely. talking some pop. Orville, if you're listening, I'm available. Believe it or not, guys, the better trade for the Blues is to acquire a forward over a defenseman. I believe it. I feel like right now your biggest liability is the fact that you are incapable of scoring at five. On so five. you'd be comfortable next season going Letty Pareko, Krug, Kessel. Sure. That's your top four. I mean, do I feel great about it? No, but I don't think you're competing for a cup next year. So, yeah, I, I, I think when you are competing for a cup again, that can't be your top four. I think but for should. right now in a transition year, can you use that as your top four? I think we've seen that's good enough. I think you should call Ottawa and get Jacob Chicken and Shane Pinto. I'm here for it. Now you we'll might give up what, Booch? And trade the farm. Our whole... Pick Brandon's <laughs> pick. 
It'd be good. Yeah, they'd love that. Absolutely. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, who all, says no? Sorry, all those guys have no trade closets. Oh. You sound like you're offering a deal to Calgary right now. Have you been to Ottawa this time of the year? Is it beautiful? beautiful. I've never been, but it seems like it's great. <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard they're big on vegetarians? I, I believe. <laughs> I believe this too. I, I'm kind of with BK. I think with the top four you have right now, you can kind of get through it with a in a retool. Once you're competitive again. I think you're looking for an upgrade, and more specifically, you're looking at an upgrade yeah. to pair with Bray. Uh, I'll believe in this one, too, because like if you look at it, you trade Booch, your top six snap next year. How'd you snap your pen in half? Did you get angry because you had Chick-fil-A yeah, salad? About vegetarianism. I was like, I want a chicken. This jerk talking you, about my chickpeas. Aren't vegetarians supposed to be nice people? What are you doing over there? No, they're angry because they haven't had meat in their system. Good point. <laughs> uh, top six, if you don't have Booch Navich next year, would be Thomas, Kairou, Shen, Neighbors, Snuggerud, Bolduke. So, like, I don't know if that's getting the job done for you. Yeah. Keep on. Guys, believe it or not, we will see the Cardinals at the trade deadline acquire a number two starter, and this offseason the Blues acquire a top six forward. Both? Cardinals acquire a top top two starter. No, not believing it. Because of the Blues? <laughs> oh, oh. No, the Blues one actually is going to happen. How many times are we going to do this round and round, do-si-do, round and round, before we realize this is just not... I'll believe it because in the Cardinal standards, it will be a top, a number two. Rich Hill will be like, this guy's got playoff experience. If they they acquired Shane Bieber at the deadline. T-Bone doesn't think he's a top two. How would we feel about that? Right now, I would say I don't feel good about it, but if he pitches well this season, I'd I'd be willing to buy I feel like that's a Cardinals move. I think yeah. if Jordan Montgomery's still floating around, the Cardinals swoop in. <laughs> Just go sign Blake Snell, Cardinals. Just go sign him. Just one, go do it. One or, year for or Jordan well, Montgomery. I, I was listening to uh, Buster Only's podcast last night, Baseball Tonight podcast, and I think his producer brought up, he was talking about the Yankees. Would you do a two-year, I think it was two years, by $88 million contract for Blake Snell? Sure. I'm, Not my money. <laughs> fair. Yeah, I mean, spend that on I, I think that the Cardinals... The, T-Bone, you were talking about this yesterday in the office. We'll get some of those, uh, your believe it or nots, on the text line here in just a second. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. There was a piece on The Athletic yesterday from Jason Stark that broke down, according to people in the league, who's had the best offseason in the National League. And then they asked who has had the worst offseason in the National League. They said the same thing about the American League as well, both sides of things. It was 21 of the 30 Major League teams got a vote for the worst offseason. Cardinals did not. And if you're looking at the teams that had the best offseason in the National League, it was the Dodgers that won. I think the Cardinals were two, if I'm not mistaken. There's an opportunity right now for you to go out there and be maybe not on the level with the Dodgers or the Braves, but you can be on the level with the Phillies. You can. And there's two pitchers that make that possible. And they're they're out there. They're on the free agent market. You don't have to give up anything other than just sign them. Money. It's just money. And they're unwilling to do it. So. I, I think if they signed Snell, they'd be the third best team in the National League. I think they'd surpass Philly. I think they'd surpass Arizona, who I think is being slept on. And, and there was another great article. Today. I can't remember who wrote it from The Athletic. I think it may have been Tyler Kepner. It was Tyler Kepner. On and, why it, did people learn the wrong it, lessons from the Arizona The lesson that everybody learned from the Diamondbacks. Was Except it, for the Diamondbacks. The yeah, Diamondbacks the, were like, that wasn't good enough. We need to really bolster this yeah. roster. And everybody else was like, wait, we could be the next Diamondbacks. We can win 84 games. See, I don't think so Blake Snell is... I don't think Blake Snell is Blake Snell last year on this Cardinals team. Maybe not, but can he be like a number two starter? Of that? I think he would be 
disappointing to a lot of Cardinals fans how he performs compared to what their standards would be for Blake Snell if he came in. I mean, if he had what he was two years ago, a 3.3 ERA and 24 starts with 130 innings, he would immediately come in and be your second best starter and you get to the postseason, give him through five innings, you're like, we're a contender. A, a real contender. Now, if you have Sonny Gray, Blake Snell, Miles Michaelis, and then something from Lance Lynn, Steven Matz, and Kyle Gibson. Dude, that's a real rotation. Like, you can throw that up against some of the best in baseball. You don't stack up one for one, but you're close enough that you could get something out of that. You could contend one for one against the best teams. Um, even And again, that's not expecting a 2.25 ERA out of him. Give me a 3.3. I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. I'd go throw the money at Jordan Montgomery, which you should really? have freaking done last offseason and I know oh, he doesn't resign yeah well I'm sure he would have resigned compared to what he's bet right now if you could have Monty at 5 and 125 or Snell at 2 and 70 I'd which go, would you prefer I'd go Monty I would I'd go I'd, sorry T-Bone go ahead I was say I'd go Snell because I think he's got better stuff I, Mon, Monty's such an interesting case because I think when he signs I think you're signing him as a three, and then you're hoping he brings his game to the next level in the postseason. I think by the end of the season this year, Monty looks like a better pitcher than Blake Snell. And I, I just, I think a one-two punch, if you would have this year with Monty and Sonny Gray, I, I feel a lot better about this Cardinals team. All right, let's go through a couple of these real quick. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, believe it or not, for all the naysayers who doubt the guy that ended up in second place in the uh, Cy Young Award last year, Sonny Gray will prove them wrong in his first season as a Cardinal as a legitimate number one starter in the National League. I can see him being a, a number one starter in a lot of people's eyes. I don't know if he's going to be in the Cy Young conversation. I think the National League is just stacked with those guys now, and I don't think you're going to put yourself in a Cy Young conversation. I think for us in St. Louis, especially compared to what we've had to witness for the last 10 years, we'll look at him and be like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a legit number one guy. We could get behind that. We could go out there and just go get a number two now. We don't have to go get the ace, but I don't think it's going to be National League top pitcher standards. I'll believe it, but I think it's going to come down to his postseason success. I think to get this category of number one, you almost have to like win two playoff games, you know, as the guy leading the rotation, and that's what he'd be here. So I, I will believe it, but he's going to have to win those two playoff games. Yeah, I'm going to believe it as well. I think it comes down to playoff success, but I also think it comes down to, hey, man, how's the quality within the innings? Even if you give him 160 innings this year, can you have a sub 3-5 ERA? I think that's more than reasonable to expect out of Sonny Gray this year, and it's something that we just haven't seen a lot lately here in St. Louis. So I, I think he'll he'll live up to the expectations. I'm legitimately really excited to watch it, Sonny Gray pitch this year. Feels, All of the reports have been amazing. Like, yeah. There's been a lot of bad vibes coming out of Cardinals camp. What? Everything you read about Sonny Gray is, oh my God, this dude is everything the Cardinals hoped he would be on and off the field, and then some. It, it feels weird to say, I think there's a ton of pressure on him in start number totally one. Totally agree. Because it's the first impression. You know, think back I mean, it's to Steve. Dodgers. It's yeah. the team that you're trying to contend against. It, it's maybe arguably the best one, two, three punch in baseball history. Going up against Sonny Gray. How does he hold up against that? And first impressions matter. Everybody thinks back to Steven Metz. What was his oh, first impression? Brutal. Getting shellacked by the Pittsburgh Pirates, by the way. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> All right, coming up next. Believe it or not, college football will have at least 14 teams in the playoffs starting in 2026. Let's talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Everyone 
everyone hope it gives everyone access through your, okay, we could play for a first round hosting game. Then you also have for that top tier, ooh, we could play for a bye. Yeah. And then you have teams playing to get into the playoff. Mm-hmm. I actually think, you know, for all the talk about is this going to hurt the regular season, those are three different things that teams will be playing yeah. for down the stretch of the season. That was Nicole Auerbach talking on the Big Ten Network about what this college football playoff expansion could mean for the sport. And I totally agree with her. It's hard to dismiss the fact that, hey, with the 12-team playoff, there's actually some matchups that could end up meaning more for the postseason than what it did in previous years during the regular season. But we might be going to a 14-team playoff sooner rather than later. All right. From Everybody there, gets maybe in. we'll talk about 16. And from there, who knows, 25? maybe a 64. 25. I don't know. Oh, March Madness. March Madness in January. January. I just want you to know NCAA. Junction. Something like that. We'll workshop it. According to Yahoo Sports, there was a nine-hour meeting yesterday in Dallas. College football playoff leaders were exploring a new playoff model, even though they just got to this version of the playoff model, that included granting multiple automatic qualifiers to the four power conferences. Ah, so that's what this is all about. The model would include 14 teams as opposed to the current model, which has 12 teams in the postseason. So who's pushing for this? Ah, the Big Ten and the SEC. According to this model, and this all comes from Yahoo Sports, the Big Ten was expected to seek as many as four automatic qualifiers (laughs) from its league, and the SEC would likely follow suit. In other words, eight of the 14 teams that qualify for the playoff would be from the Big Ten and the SEC. So basically the Big Ten and SEC are saying, hey, all of your other conferences are jokes. Give us the most playoff positions, and then you just sprinkle everyone else in. Literally the majority of the playoff spots would come from the two (laughs) best conferences, two biggest conferences in America. All right, we continue from there. More automatic qualifying bids could increase, according to Yahoo, the value of the regular season as teams jockey in position uh, to up their way in the conference standings. Those would be determined by the conference title games as well. That would be a part of the formula. So long as the conference title games continue to exist, which might not be the case <sighs> if exciting. this format were to take place. College football playoff leaders have a long time to be able to discuss this, so they've got a month. In the next month, they have to determine what the future of the college football playoff looks like because they got to get these TV deal re- deals done as soon as humanly possible. The NCAA is like, they're the prototypical like, hey, we got this big idea. Say yes or no right now. Yes. Yes or no. Three, two, one, go. Say it. No. Yes. No. Yes. I hate that this is the way that we're operating. I understand why. It's all about money, right? You get more money by more teams being involved in the playoff because there's more games that can be put on television, which means more revenue for everybody involved. I understand why the SEC and the Big Ten are looking at every other conference and saying, you guys get the same number of teams automatically in the college football playoff as we do. Well, we've got Ohio State and Michigan and USC and Oregon. Who do you have, Big 12? Who do you have, ACC? And the SEC looks around, and they're like, we've got Bama and Georgia and Tennessee and Mizzou. Yeah. Who Ah, do you have, ACC? Who do you have, Big 12? I get why everybody's looking at it this way. But that's why we're in the predicament that we are in, is because everybody looks out for themselves. Nobody has the betterment of college football at heart. And what we end up with is no regional rivalries anymore. USC traveling to New Jersey to play, you know, tennis in the middle of March. None of this makes any sense. And now we're going to end up with a 14-team format that nobody understands. We're going to be in the middle of the season being like, okay, so 
How do they get to the fourth best team in the SEC? And then what does that mean for the Big 12 team that might be the best team in the country, but also might not end up qualifying for the playoff? All of this is nonsense. Just do, I think, the other five-team playoff. Like, there's some problems with it in terms of the automatic qualifiers. But just go with it. Just go with what you've tried. And let's see what this looks like before you decide to change it. We haven't even seen the new playoff once. Doesn't matter. And they're already like 14. 14 is actually the right number. We told you 12. Oh. 14 is going to be the right number. We're at 14. Those two more 20. teams. You, you know somebody in. raised their hand in the meeting. Uh, guys, can we go like, hear me out of here. 20. How about 20? And that's what it's going to be. Shut up, Tom. Get out of the room. Eventually, we're going to get to the place where they just continue to increase the number of teams because there's got to be more money that's coming in. There's always more money available because these TV contracts are massive. And the best TV contracts available are the ones that are played at the end of the season, not the ones that are available during the regular season. Yeah, and, and I think if if this comes, if this happens, and I expect this to happen, it's, it's the to. it's the death of the ACC and the Big Ten, yep. or, or excuse me, Big Twelve. Like those conferences, like they'll probably still be around, but it's going to be you're no longer going to see Clemson in the ACC. Florida State's going to be gone. Miami, Florida's going to be gone. When you look at the Big Twelve, uh, who do they got? They don't really have anybody left that is like significant, right? It's more the Not ACC. Huge, so like the ACC is going to be done. It's going to become the two. Like we're already heading that way, but it's gonna. This is the moment that actually propels you into that. They'll go to they'll go to fort or they'll go to yeah they'll go to fourteen and they'll like put the top five teams in and then they'll be like okay then we'll just gift a couple of these other It'll teams that get into the playoffs with like twelve of them coming from yeah. the Big Ten and the SEC. That's where we're headed and. Yeah. I don't think that's best for anybody involved, but that's going to be the likely in in game for all of this. Coming up next, the rewind here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. The free 101ESPN app is where you go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. Prediction time. We don't do this here on the show very often. I don't like the whole preview recap kind of thing, but we're going to do it right now. Alex does Zach Bullduke, and he goes by Zach, by the way. Zach Bullduke, not Zachary. Zach Bullduke, will he get a point in tonight's game? Yeah, I think he scores a goal. Oh, hell yeah, brother. I think, Let's go. Go. I think he's going to come out with a mindset that says shoot the puck and Shannon neighbors are going to put him in a good spot. Timo? He gets a point. I'll say he gets a point. I'll say it's an assist, though. I'll say it's like a shot rebound and Jake neighbors like a good oh, neighbor is on the doorstep and cleans puts it up home. the trash. Yeah. I think he gets a goal and an assist and we'll see. Maybe he gets a fight. Maybe. We'll see what happens here. Zach, please don't. A, a Zach, two, don't these guys are a lot bigger than don't you. Don't fight, Zach. <laughs> please don't fight. Blues back in action tonight against the Islanders. The debut for Zach Bolduke in the lineup. Scott Perunovic back in the lineup once again as well. Lots to look forward to for this one. Alex will have pregame coverage starting at 6. Puck drop with Curbs and Joey coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. We have a NHL insider joining Jeff us. Merrick at 1 o'clock. So be sure to tune in for that. The Fast Lane's coming up next year on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.